Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. So, Tax, what are we going to call this podcast series? I mean... I threw out that we should call it Enter the Dragon, but then I thought that was basically like a new version of Bree Mode. Hmm. How is it like Bree Mode? Because if Bree enters Daniel from behind, then it's... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's entered the dragon. <laughs> is that what Bree Mode meant? Every time I heard that music, it was like, Bree Mode! It's about shagging Daniel Bryan. I mean, Bree Mode is essentially where Bree Bella gets hammered and goes crazy in the alcohol <laughs> consumption. That's what Bree Mode is. Do you not so watch Total calling... Divas or Bellas? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't. Yeah, me neither. Are we, are we just going to call this Bree Mode? Road to Bree Mode? Three triple X? <laughs> <laughs> Bree enters the dragon. That's... <laughs> what about... Ent- uh, hmm. so, so I went with something really sensible. I was like, Road to WrestleMania triple X. But I like your one much better. <laughs> So glad this is the best way to... St- I mean, considering after we've had all the Aces and Eight shit, this is already mm. of a higher calibre of what we just watched on 10 Weeks of Impact. Let, let's do the intro and then we'll talk about it, eh? <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tags Williams. Oh, well, obviously we've had a bit of fun with them, but we had some sad news uh, in our local wrestling uh, community last weekend. With the official announcement that SCPW has shut its doors. It shut the Academy. It has no plans to run any future shows. And I feel that I know a lot of our listeners, you're a fan, are fans of independent wrestling. Some of you just join in for either nostalgia of WCW or your WWE AEW fans. But I'm going to indulge myself for a few minutes on this little soapbox for the last time about my fond feelings for Southeast Professional Wrestling and Matthew Huntley and Amy Huntley who ran this promotion. Before we jump into that, I didn't know this was a thing, so I've literally just found out about it now and I'm absolutely gutted. I'm, I've had some bloody marvellous times at SCPW down in uh, Folkestone Way it's been, and uh, Faversham and all sorts of places. Had some bloody great times at those shows, so uh, thanks, guys. Like it's been been a bloody good run. Yeah, I have never had so much fun. Compare what I experienced in SCPW in comparison to what I experienced in NWA Hammerlock. What I experienced in some brief <laughs> stints in the FWA. Things that I experienced since being back in wrestling since 2016 with Preston City Wrestling. Jesus. Matt and Amy Huntley know how to run a wrestling promotion. It's so, <laughs> so good. And I really hope the people who are part of this promotion realized how special they had it. I'm sh- I'm pretty certain some of like the top level talent who have gone and worked at other places realize how good they've got it. And I really hope those who are trainees at SEPW, if they choose to continue their wrestling journey, research where they're going next. This is where I want to sit where I want to say how Matt and Amy ran this promotion so well. It's because they genuinely cared about their trainees and their talent they bought it in. Matt and Amy bought in their 
their, their essentially their own safeguarding policies in mid 2017 before it was a badge of honor like all these other fuckwit bris brit rest promotions now have going we've got a safeguarding po- policy but we're still going to book fucking abusers because they didn't do anything to us and it's not been proven innocent because they're all fucking morons matt and amy could have made a fuck ton more money in scpw had they not done things properly it's it blows my mind how this promotion was so well organized and so well thought of that because they focused on booking their own talent and building shows, you know, it should have been one of the most sought-after promotions for nurturing talent and developing talent. And they were really good. Like we said, like this is family-friendly wrestling shows. I remember one of the shows you came to uh, in Faversham and laughed hysterically when I had some small child shout at me going, you're bald! And I turned around instantly and goes, it's a lifestyle choice! <laughs> and things like that. And <laughs> upon me pretty pretty massively man because i just didn't expect it you expected to hear it come out of your mouth i'm just like what happened <laughs> it was great and you know from my own standpoint you know i, I came back in i said 2016 start of 2017 found scpw was looking at some other train places i'd floated a little bit around this with uh trying to maybe get in to ipw and go up to like North Kent and Train. I just got a really bad vibe from the emails I got back from a person who shall not be mentioned. Um, mm. But when I emailed SEPW, the professional response I got back was amazing. At that stage, I thought, well, at least this person knows good English. <laughs> That's a great start. <laughs> and I felt welcomed from day one. I didn't go in he with knows the... knows all the moves. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd said that in my email. I know all the moves like Matt had to deal with on so many occasions. <laughs> but I mean, I came in and I didn't go in with the whole, like, I know everything because I hadn't been in a ring for, like, the best part of nine years. So, obviously, I went in, like, completely clean slate and he gave me the time of day. And I remember one of the first training sessions where I thought, I think he might like me because <laughs> we were doing running a drill and the end of the drill, I think, was like a shoulder tackle. And I was having to shoulder tackle Matt Terry. <laughs> and this is when Matt Terry just started. And I need to describe the disparity and why that's funny. <laughs> Matt Terry is maybe about 80 pounds in weight. And He's at, a good young boy at, baby face. At the time, he was, I think he might have only been like 16, possibly 17 years old. And I would have been mid-30s, <laughs> weighing about 225 pounds at the time. And yeah. I steamrolled through Matt Terry. I mean, stiff might have been the, uh, the best term to use it. And I sent him flying. And Matt beckoned me over as he was watching on the outside of the ring. And he said to me, he was like, that was okay. Just maybe <laughs> try and be a bit, you know, a bit more delicate. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. The next drill, <laughs> I did like a breakaway thing in the corner of Alex Aces. And you're supposed to do something to taunt your opponent. Opponent, <laughs> And I just clean slapped him across the face. And I remember having <laughs> Luke Fagel on the outside of the ring sort of fall over, wetting himself with laughter. <laughs> Not the taste out of Aces' mouth. And I think at that stage, Matt was like, this guy's an asshole. I think I like him. <laughs> and then we did promos the next session. And again, I think people are a little bit wary of this, you know, big fat beast coming in, steamrolling through the young trainees, as in not working overly uh, gently. And then cutting some promos. And I think they were like, oh, this is great. And then the fact that, you know, I'd been, I think I'd been at four training sessions and Matt was like, can you referee our first academy event with, you know, Matt Terry as the other referee? So the trust he put in me from day one, you know, then Harriet was born. I didn't go to much training and he was 
he took a risk on me. He put me on the card as Two Tones manager uh, against Meathead at the Second Academy show. And I had this massive briefcase. And I said to Meathead, and I said to Two Tone, this is a proper briefcase, lads. So if you're going to do anything with it, it's going to hurt. <laughs> Meathead, I don't think, listened. And he was like, nah, just twat me with it. <laughs> so Two Tone <laughs> fucking walloped him. There's still a massive dent in the briefcase. I have no idea where it is. But from there, it's like, just getting me to be Matt's manager was some of the best things I've ever done in wrestling. And in all honesty, the f- the two of my most favorite moments outside the Doug Williams element, after he dropped the belt to Meathead, so Meathead won the belt for the second time, we're standing back on the aisle, defeated, walking away, just looking at that huge venue filled with people. It doesn't get any better than that. And the fact that the last SCPW show we had, I know you couldn't make it because I think you sort of slept through because you'd been working hard or, or, or your daughter had been teething at that time because obviously children, we don't get to sleep anymore. Sure. And the fact I got to essentially my last wrestling show, because obviously this was about to be the big last run for me in 2020. Me and Matt were going to tag. We might have gone into the worlds of self-indulgence and bought tag belts. <laughs> just so we could win them um well that was my that was my pipe dream for it anyway i don't know if matt would have been foolish enough to uh jump aboard of that but the fact that we got to finish as a tag team as baby faces celebrating with confetti cannons at the um at the entrance ramp even with the power out playing my entrance theme on my mobile phone as i go around the ring man it was a real good way to finish it and as i said i love Matt and Amy, for the opportunities, the shows that I got to be on, I adored it. And as I said, from my my standpoint, I think it's absolutely sickening. A lot of British wrestling promotions think they're doing the right thing when they should have had this in place years ago, which would have stopped a lot of the hurt and trauma that so many other people have had. But if you're starting a wrestling promotion from scratch, especially in the current climate, Look at what SCPW did as your blueprint for your training school, for how you look after your talent, how you run your shows. I mean, it said, you know, I, I know we're already sort of about 10 minutes into this, but the fact that Matt let me help book Snapshot, our little run of TV shows on YouTube, and the fact he would always listen to other people. Like, I know that you helped like, give advice on the intro for that Snapshot show when he mm. asked you some bits. And he'd always, he'd never be one of these people that'd be too proud to ask for help if it wasn't overly his area or if he wanted a second opinion he'd always value opinions and he was always so proud in his product remember when we recorded episode 50 and the ring was a little bit squeaky and it was like no i need to <laughs> fix this no i need to fix this and it's like but you're going to be running so late matt it's like no i need to fix this if this is going to be something for you guys i want to make sure that this sounds right and absolutely like the effort he'd put in it's that's how people should be and i will miss scpw but i'm so glad I got to be part of that run, so glad I got to be part of that journey and get to call him one of my close friends and get to do a food podcast with him now, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm kind of processing this as I'm just letting you talk, to be honest, man, because it's, it's nice to listen to. Um, but my little experience with SCPW have been absolutely marvellous as a fan, turning around, me and Nick hanging out in the crowd, just chatting away, enjoying the wrestling. You know, I've seen some really fun stuff and I really love the way that yourself matt amy put this stuff together like the production everything it was so so much fun but you know there's the classic two things that come to mind um episode 50 of this podcast series where we got to go do 
a wrestling training session so i got to take some bumps the first time ever in the ring and smash my head against the canvas it was bloody awesome <laughs> and i got to do a, a jake roberts star lariat you know like yeah it was it's immensely fun but uh <laughs> the thing that immediately comes to mind is turning up to one of those snapshot recordings <laughs> And uh, walking in the doors, a match was actually going on and immediately knocking over the hard cap. <laughs> <laughs> and basically just having this, because there's a couple of people I knew already from doing pods and stuff, essentially just ribbing me relentlessly while I'm standing there going, oh no, <laughs> I've ruined everything. <laughs> and Matt just turned around and just went, who the f- did that? <laughs> like furious. So it was me and like, oh, it's only rich. That's all right. <laughs> I was just like, oh, what a lovely man. <laughs> oh, amazing. So, yeah, good times, man. Funny stuff. Oh. And uh, who was it? Was it, it was Vega and someone? Was it Jack and Vega or someone? I can't remember. I can't remember. I ruined their... I ruined their they, luckily, they only just started the match. So they just restarted it or whatever for the recording. But, yeah, sorry about that, guys. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how Snapshot was essentially a glimpse of uh, the future of professional wrestling in a pandemic in a... In a a very small fan base arena with like a couple of sure. cameras. I like the fact that Snapshots at the moment seems to have a better fan reaction than NXT. So <laughs> if you want to watch wrestling with fans in a studio setting, go and watch Snapshot on the SEPW YouTube channel. It was some really good stuff, really, really enjoyable stuff. The fact there's a great match in there uh, with one fan, Dan, and Meathead, I think. Absolute barnstormer, so definitely worth watching. But on the subject of great quality, I mean... Brie enters the dragon. Oh my goodness! What a we run of show we've got. That. We can't call it Brie enters the dragon. It could be. Hmm. But we'll think about it as the pod goes on. <laughs> Something comes to your head. I think we've got to put in WrestleMania 30 there somewhere, right? Because Triple X is funny. Everyone likes Triple X. So did Peaches. Mm. Anyway, so this is part one of our prequel of whatever we're calling the series. <laughs> It's WWE on Monday Night Raw, episode 1072. It's the Slammy Awards <laughs> from 9th of December 2013. The day before, oh, sorry, the week before TLC 2013, the pay-per-view. Now, this wasn't originally part of the series, but as we put the series of pods together that we're going to be doing, leading up to WrestleMania 30, obviously... We kind of had this moment where we were like, wait, does that run include the Raw where the stuff happens at the end with the unification of the belts and, you know, the crowd? <laughs> I think the other thing as well, this is a really good setter. It sets the scenes really well of what the plans were prior to Punk leaving. So it was yeah, planting absolutely. the seeds of where we were going for Rumble and WrestleMania 30. Mm. Which will basically, the Royal Rumble is going to be the beginning, like the first proper episode. This is more like the prequel episode still. So we're going to get to that, listeners. Do not worry. So we are live in the Key Arena in Seattle, Washington. Although this is obviously live on the USA Network in America or Sky Sports in the UK. The commentary... <laughs> Oh no, Tax. What have you done? <laughs> you picked this. I mean, Todd on commentary. <laughs> Get Todd on commentary back. <laughs> commentary. I'm going to assume for this whole run of Raw we're doing is Michael Cole. Maggle! <laughs> and JBL. And that's it. 
Oh no. <laughs> well, at least we're not having the mania where it was Michael Cole and Lawler when it was Cole in the coal mine to set up Lawler and oh. Cole at WrestleMania. God, the the wrestling and the singlet and oh, the tattoos. Michael Cole's oh, tattoos. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> Okay, yeah, Michael Cole and JBL. What do you think, eh? At the time, they had one of the most successful WWE YouTube shows. So I understand the that, concept. That's not the question. Together. That's not the question. <laughs> the question is, how was their commentary? I mean, Michael Cole, boo. You know, let's bring that gimmick back for this whole series. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, I've JBL's commentary doesn't offend me i can take it or leave it i'm not ever going to sit there and go you know who's a really good color commentator jbl but i'm not going to sit there and go you know who's the worst color commentator byron saxton <laughs> it's jbl yeah. no jbl's yeah. fine i can take it or leave it the incessant arguing and getting their own shit in is annoying i did manage to mostly block them out or take on the bits of information i needed to take on you know they're not immensely distracting like taz was during that tna run you know or they're not immensely subdued like toll on commentary or i'm trying to think of other really terrible commentators or like overly talking like the triple a commentary commentators you know who never shut the fuck up <laughs> but there's just this constant kind of jabbing at each other like they're not on the same team well, it's a heel face commentator duo. They're trying to... Is it, though? I don't know. It feels like they're just getting their own shit in for the sake of it rather than telling the stories that are on screen. The best way I can try and describe this relationship is JBL is pay- playing a very poor man's Jesse Ventura on commentary. Yeah. And Michael Cole is just repeating whatever he's told to repeat. Boo. Hmm. Then, now, forever, <laughs> forever. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, on that subject, punk. though, at least <laughs> I like the fact that they've now thought, hmm, how are we going to spice up our intro? Then, now, forever. So is it then, now, together, forever? Or is it then, now, forever, so. together? Together. <laughs> Forever. No, you don't. Or yeah. what, together, forever, whenever meant to be together. One of the things that also horrified me at this stage, and I think this is going to be a common trend going forward. Are we already in the territory of three hours of Monday Night Raw? Or do you think yep. this is just three hours of the Slammies? Because I can't believe then Monday Night Raw has been almost on for three hours every Monday night for eight years. Well, I guess we'll find out next week. But this one went, what, two hours, 15 without ads? Yeah, it's a three-hour show at the moment, guys, on this with the with the overrun on USA. I mean, this is the thing that people always forget. They always go, oh, Raw's three hours. It's terrible. No, with the overrun in the States on the USA Network, it's always three hours and 10 minutes or three hours and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 way too long. And I had to pause this halfway through and be like, I need to take an hour or so, just go do something else and then watch the rest. And I've come to the conclusion why I can't watch Raw now. Because it's shit. Well no, <laughs> but I can I I've drilled down on the reason why it's shit. Alright. 
A majority of the wrestlers on today's card are still on Monday Night Raw today. Oh, yeah. I, I very much noticed that. You watch this. They haven't progressed since 2013. They've just lost their top stars. I, I, the top star, I mean, yeah, Cena has gone. But everyone else on this card is still there. Uh, uh, Punk, Cena are the two that you're missing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and, They're quite and, important, and Ryback. to be totally fair. <laughs> and Ryback, yeah, sure. But everyone else <laughs> is still there. I mean, the fact that later on this in this show we're going to be discussing a Kofi Kingston Miz match on Monday Night Raw, the fact that <laughs> we have had Kofi versus Miz on Raw recently... Dude, they had later. Randy Orton and The Miz as world champions this fucking year. Good thing that it's NXT 2021 stars, isn't it? <laughs> Look at the roster of people they've got. And the dog shit show they put out every week. It's, it's a fucking joke. Anyway, so Slammy Awards video intro is a super cheesy voiceover. Welcomes us to the show goes welcome to the 2013 it's really interesting how they don't ever say 2013 they've all very clearly been instructed to say 2013 wwe slammy awards where tonight we celebrate the best and brightest superstars I'm not sure about brightest but okay along with the wildest and craziest moments of the past year as you the wwe universe i do not like being referred to as the wwe universe decides who walks away the winners i'm like at this point they have an animated app so apparently this is like a public vote thing oh yeah it does seem to be that everyone's voting on this it's not dictated by wwe on the plus point though as a man who doesn't mind technology too much what i really enjoy about this episode (laughs) is how i'm told how to download an app from either the app store or the google play store throughout this show you've got to remember this show is for americans as well (laughs) What I also like is the fact they keep on making reference to the show that's saying, oh, and some other awards have already been awarded on .com. It's like, yeah. wow, you've got a three-hour show and you still can't fit all the slammies in. Owen Hart was the best person for gimmicks of a slammy, and they've never been able to replicate that. 100%. We'll get into formatting of how they award slammies and stuff in a minute, <laughs> because it happens pretty quickly in Jesus Christ. But the voiceover continues. Introduce, well, it introduces the stars of the show. We've got World Heavyweight Champion John Cena, WWE Champion Randy Orton. Those two titles of belts, the actual names of those belts, frustrates the hell out of me, but we'll get to that. We've got CM Punk. This is a really nice indication of who they're prioritizing and kind of in what order at this point. Mick Foley. Well, (laughs) later. So we've got Cena, Orton, Punk, Dragon, The Authority, then Big show. <laughs> then, then it was just not got any stories. I mean, in fairness, well done for AEW for poaching that hot uprising star. <laughs> His commentary is quite good. It's really not that bad. I'm uh, enjoying it. I've only watched one episode of Elevation. I actually watched it during the week, and I was like, uh, yeah. it's it's not great, but it's it's tolerable. I think they could do better than Big Show, if I'm honest. But whatever so after big show we've got divas champion aj lee it's obviously been relegated like six people down at this point whatever um this is pre give divas a chance isn't it yeah and also post aj burying the total divas cast with a wonderful pipe bomb as promo <laughs> fucking a then the tag champs of the rose brothers the total cast of total divas <laughs> 
<laughs> and then tonight we're also going to have special guest appearances by Mick Foley, the New Age Outlaws, Eve Torres, Brett, the Hitman Heart, my interest is peaked, and the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. And I'm like, sounds like a lot of fun just in that intro it's, it's really good also goes to show how how they're again as you said the order they're prioritizing people eve torres bret hart <laughs> the cast of total divas before 99 percent of the roster probably drawing more on e to be honest i was gonna say well i don't know how many of them are on e but you know hey <laughs> none of them are I in suspect the... half the roster none <laughs> of them are in the dragon <laughs> Free the mouth. voiceover sends us into the arena. No pyro. Like, oh. Some flashy white lights, really awful generic pop music. It goes, get them up now. Get them up now. Get them up now. Get them up now. And I'm like, nah, you're right. This was before Bluetooth, right? <laughs> uh, Bluetooth.com forward slash World of Wrestling Podcast. No, Use the promo code yeah. Wrestle. <laughs> Michael Cole boo thank you welcomes us to the show and it's time now to honor the best in WWE welcome to the 2013 Slammy Awards you are looking live in the key arena in Seattle Washington welcome to Monday Night Raw the pauses are left where Michael Cole leaves pauses I find them rather annoying at least he put pauses in rather than Todd on commentary who doesn't under mm. just doesn't have anything on his auto cue. Why I'm starting to find a whole new appreciation for Tony Schiavone and JR doing intros. I I have to say, listening to this, and now we're so far in on, on Dynamite, the chemistry that Excalibur, JR and Tony Schiavone have. Oh, it's okay. worked so well because they're not overproduced. And it's a case yeah. of they take it right, okay, Excalibur, but this is going to be like the high flying match. So you can throw in your Tope Con Hilo stuff. And JR goes, yep, <laughs> another one of those. <laughs> and then, yeah, and Tony Schiavone goes, yeah, I knew that was that. That was, <laughs> that's what that was called. And JR goes, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, it's fucking hilarious. It's really good stuff. It's, they're, they're, they're telling the stories, but the problem is here, J- JBL and Cole are basically as they have done for every commentator in WWE, they're telling the story from Vince McMahon's mind rather than what they actually yeah. feel or what they understand of the product. And that's the thing about WWE commentary is it has been since you know the end of the Attitude Era. And to be fair, the end this came to an end with Heyman and JR. I think because Heyman was doing so much off the cuff, that's when they became overly produced. Yeah, it's also the PG era coming in, the big contracts with USA Network and advertisers and such. I understand why their content has to be scripted. Um, doesn't mean I have to like it. It's amazing, like you said. You know, I, I was saying, speaking um, to a few people the other day, and it's like I wouldn't say that I'm anti WWE. I just I don't have an appetite for it. I will watch the big pay per views, and I love the documentary content. Like the documentaries they produce on on the network are incredible. Like the one about the Miz has been brilliant recently but mm. i just i just can't be dealing with their product because like we've already alluded to i don't really like the idea of the storytelling for the commentators and i've seen every single match before yeah there's there's one massive problem with wwe like to be anti-wwe is ridiculous like they're the biggest 
pro wrestling company in the world we need them to do good so everyone else can do good competition is the best form of uh motivation i guess the best way to put it um it's, it's a very simple problem with wwe i watch enough of it and i talk and podcast enough about it to understand i think um people at the top have lost the fucking plot well they've lost the plot but they're making more and more money than they ever made before so have they lost the plot I also in terms what, of creativity, because uh, I find it mind-numbingly awful. Like, I can't watch it. I should I should have asked this at the start of the pod, but I do have a question that I want you to consider and our listeners to consider through this whole Daniel Bryan run. So, as we progress through this, a lot of people have said WWE have gone in this direction because they were their hands were forced. Now again similar to how I did in the the Ace and Eights run, I'm going to play devil's advocate and albeit slightly stupid. I want people to consider, whilst we always give WWE no credit at all for their long-term booking because they are, by and large, crap, do you think some of the decisions of this run of shows was actually deliberate? Well, in 2013? Well, as in leading into Mania 30. Yeah, sure, okay. Um, I was talking about more about 2021 in what I was just saying. In 2013, I'm trying to go in with an open mind. Oh no, no, I, I've I've been that I've been that horrible guy and just gone off a complete tangent. I've gone, yeah, 2021 shit. But because mm. everyone's talking about create the creativity being gone, a lot of people in 2013 with this Daniel Bryan storyline have basically said WWE had to shuffle their deck because they were forced to because of the fans. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. So. Sure. I'm going to play devil's advocate for this and say, have we been, have we been worked to make it think we did something? So, so just well, something to consider. Who knows for the at this shows. point? If if we're talking by recent circumstance, I guess we'll have to see as we go through. To be totally honest, I'll, I'll I'll save what I was going about to say for later in the series. So Cole intros JBL, who's in a tux, and tells us we're also going to be joined by Booker T and a man who's on a list later. Michael Cole shows Americans how to use a phone. <laughs> Thank God, Ride of the Valkyries cuts off Cole. Here comes our hero of the story, the American Dragon, the best in the world. Get fucked, CM Punk. It's the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, God, whatever you want to call him, the when, man. When did Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, American Dragon... When did he first hit your wrestling radar? Uh, ROH. Um, oh, what year would that have been? Pfft. Basically, the first ROH show it would have been. So I was later to the party with um, mm-hmm. Danielson because I'd heard about him through PWI because obviously that was the year where people like him, Nigel McGuinness, and Joe had all gone been ranked quite highly in that list. And at the time, I wasn't overly, you know, overly enthralled or overly immersed with the indies because I didn't really have great internet. I didn't really have much exposure to things like that. So my first dealings with Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, was when he showed up in NXT. Obviously, I understood that he had all this heritage okay. of being a fantastic wrestler for what I'd read about him on PWI and what some other you know wrestling fans had said about him through a little bit of online chatter of the internet when I had access to it. But the fact that the first impression I had of Daniel Bryan 
was having the Miz as his pro. <laughs> but sure. then he went on to have this outstanding match with Jericho in the main event on the first ever episode of NXT. And it's like, this guy can move. He he's like did like a suicide dive and him and Jericho just went flying into an announce table and you saw Dragon's back just go over and it's like, he has come to play. Do you remember the story of when I first met Daniel Bryan? Brian Danielson. I do, but it's always worth repeating it for funsies because I always get a (laughs) chuckle out of it. (laughs) So he had a really, really long run with the ROH belt. uh, (laughs) Lost it to, God, I think it was Jamie Noble. Um, Then came and did the PWG European Vacation, Portsmouth. One of my first American-esque indie shows I traveled down to, obviously. It was like an IPW show where there was a bunch of PWG guys on it. <laughs> I wondered where you were going. You know. It was an IPW show with a bunch of PWG uh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Careful now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, we've got my mate Dave bought front row tickets. And so I was like, yeah, I'll have your third one. No worries, mate. <laughs> so I drove them down there. We sit at our seats, et cetera, et cetera, just hanging out, you know. And uh, there's merch tables behind us. And there's Brian Danielson. I'm obviously a big fan at this point. Um, I go over and I'm just like waiting for four or five people and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna have to buy something. It's like, you know, the right thing to do. I wanna support him, etc. So I got my little photo, whatever, and he signs it and he's just the nicest man in the world. And I remember going, Well, I don't want to be a dick and like break K Fabe, but <laughs> now knowing how indie wrestling works, I understand he didn't give a shit. But but I I think what was my question? I said, Oh, are you gonna go after that ROH title anytime soon or when are you going to get back your ROH title and he just looked at me up looked up from signing my photo and just went yeah <laughs> <laughs> looked back down at his photo finished signing it took a photo with me and then I went sat down in my seat and felt ashamed but so, there we go but what where is that signed photograph now also, oh also I could also so, call it a photograph rather than photograph <laughs> What about what happened with the photograph? Oh no, where is it now? It's it's on my wall behind it is? me. I always no, enjoyed was. looking at that when we were allowed <laughs> to podcast in person together. Do you know about why it's damaged? Because Brian hit you with it after asking <laughs> about the RH title. <laughs> no, it's kind of an even funnier story. So um Austin Aries is on the card. <laughs> hey, he must have not been wearing a mask then. <laughs> and uh I mean, if I say this name to you, you're going to laugh. He was wrestling straight out of prison. <laughs> Zebra Kid. <laughs> you know, 15 oh. years. Zebra Kid, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and so Kid comes out and basically just starts beating the shit out of Austin Aries. And you can see Austin Aries going, oh no. <laughs> what did I sign up for? Is this is going on? Do you think this is when Austin Aries got his clock route? He's like, his bell rung. So he goes, hmm, anti-vax, QAnon. I love this stuff. <laughs> We've got a brain zebra, zebra kid for this, haven't we? Sure, sure. So um, just to quickly finish the story, they go to the outside. He's beating up Aries, throwing him into steps, throwing him into the ring post, slamming him against the wall. And Aries is going, can we just do an arm lock? <laughs> you know? Injecting him and with then- Pfizer BioNTech. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And uh, basically the photo's on the floor with my jumper and stuff and uh, literally a foot in front of me, <laughs> Zebra turns around, Irish whips Austin Aries forcefully into us, essentially. <laughs> we managed to just jump out of the way at the last second. They go flying through our chairs. 
and I literally see my photo just go across all these chairs. That's why it's damaged. It's Austin Aries and Zebra Kid. Uh, yeah, it went flying through it. It was bloody great. It's amazing how anyway, when I start thinking about those two people, I go, well done, Zebra Kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so out comes Daniel Bryan, hometown hero, massive pop. He is O-V-E-R over. He is literally, this, this is like loudest pops of any human being ever, these sort of crowds, you know? Proper hometown pop as well, though. I like in yeah. WWE where you get, like if Titus O'Neil wrestles in Florida, and he gets a nice pop. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's Titus. And he does really nice things for, you know, in his ambassador role in WWE and does a lot of good things. But like this dragon pop in his hometown. It's Brett Calgary. It's Punk Chicago. It's McGuinness London, you know? Yeah. It's not forced. It is genuine excitement to see their hometown guy. Absolutely. Surprisingly, for 2013, there's tons of signs in the crowd. It looks like an Attitude Era show. Yeah, I was surprised. Because considering we were like, ah, oh, we haven't had signs since the Attitude Era, there were so many, including <laughs> my favourite one during this intro of... <laughs> to, it was one about AJ going, let me put a baby in you. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Very Attitude Era then, you know. I mean, it was punk. So, who is Daniel Bryan wrestling tonight, Tax? You better it, say it right. <laughs> okay, well, here's wrestling. Fandango! Very good. With Who's Summer accompanied Ray. by Summer Ray, yeah, sure. Fandango looking splendid in his shiny purple frilly shirt. He stole our fucking gimmick. This is the time as well when Fandangoing was like running wild in Goodison Park. Do you remember this? <laughs> where, sure. I know they showed like a clip of it, but all the Everton fans... You know, it's the closest thing they're going to get to silverware. I know that's it's a know, Premier League team for all those people that don't follow football. Yeah, not a mint, not a type of a mint. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. But um, and at least he was trying to get some mainstream um coverage by all this fandangoing. It's uh, yeah, oh, it's he's still fun. with the, he's still with the company now. Would you believe it? In twenty twenty one. Yeah, sure. I watched um that WrestleMania with him and Jericho in that match, and the fans are a fucking riot, especially the roar afterwards as well. It's really really fun. Uh, did wear a little thin after a while, but it is what it is. You know, when you've got Big Show in the middle of the ring going, it's it's lost its momentum, but whatever. Again, that sort of funny crowd interaction with context and banter and everything, absolutely great. It's the constant repetition of bollocks and just chanting for a chance sake, you know, that frustrates me as a fan. And this is the thing that I believe hit Adam Rose as well when he had his Rose Shuds and his conga line. That could have, and this is the thing as well, with something like that, had that debuted on a Raw after Mania or in London where everyone would have ate it up, it could have set like Adam Rose, at least the character rather than the person, on a good trajectory. But with Fandango, there's no denying Johnny Curtis is a decent in-ring hand he he mm-hmm. must be for him to be there for so long but I'm a big fan i think he's outstanding in the ring but they, this was very much right we want to give the hometown people a show we haven't really got much for dragon at the moment so we're going to get a match on we're going to get him heading into tlc because this is at the time as well we should have probably said as well 
where Bray Wyatt is trying to get Daniel Bryan to join the Wyatt family. This is where Dragon is mm. running into this pay-per-view. The stories leading up to this is Bray Wyatt saying, oh, Daniel Bryan together, if you join the Wyatt family, we can run this place. We can take and this over is where, this. is where commentary works in this style because they put that story over a lot so we knew what was happening without seeing any context prior to it. Yeah, exactly. So if you're unfamiliar, at least yeah, at least we are having some of the backstories uh, yeah. heading into this. Um, and we do find out during this match that um, Dragon's in a tri- in a three on one handicap match this Sunday against the entire Wyatt family. The good thing about WWE booking is they never like to have the same gimmick twice on a pay per view. <laughs> to be fair, the, this this the fact that you know Dragon's wrestling the Shield. Sorry. Dragon's wrestling the Wyatt family and um, Punk is wrestling the Shield in three-on-one handicap matches is because Kane is now part of the authority and the matchmaker. So he's trying to prove himself to Triple H and Steph. At least the story makes sense. Yeah, but you could have done it in a... One of them could have been a gauntlet rather than a handicap match just to give it a little bit of diversity. It's not good, but it has logic. Yep, which we we can't complain about, especially in comparison to today's product. I was about to say, which is what they don't have in 2021. <laughs> so the crowd are completely into it. Yes, chance. Daniel, Bryan. Like literally throughout the whole fucking match. Really, really fun. Commentary do a good job putting over his gimmicks as we talked about. AEW referee Audrey Edwards is sitting opposite the hard camera in the second row. Do you spot her? I didn't spot her, but I always, because she was <clears throat> bawling at his retirement speech, wasn't mm. she? Poor yeah. Aubrey. She is having the best time throughout this whole show. She's on her feet. She's marking out. She's jumping up and down, clapping, applauding, shouting at the bad guys. I'm like, ah, perfect wrestling fan. You know, really, really good. Did brilliantly uh, impact Rebellion. (laughs) Mate, she's fucking outstandingly good in her job. She's really, really good. Massive fan. Um, Speaking of which, I I love Seattle as well. This crowd all night are fucking great. They They play their role. And also they don't, until the main event segment, they play their role properly. They don't. Yeah, they don't. They shut on a few bits, but you know, it was funny at least. Yeah, well, the important parts they play. They play their role. They play a key role in the mm. in the show in pushing it along. Speaking of which, I think Summer Rae does a very good job on the outside as well. Summer Rae, from a, a valet standpoint, is really underrated. I know people will sit yeah. there and go, eh? "It's like I forget her in ring stuff." Like her as a manager, even the stuff she was doing of Rusev <laughs> near the end yeah. of that run, she was excellent. She was really, really good. She's, um, <laughs> yeah, I think she's. What did it? I see uh, recently that she's now joined like some kind of cybersecurity company. All right, fair enough. And it's like, so I think she's yeah, obviously she's definitely done with with pro wrestling, but she definitely added to that whole Fandango package. Yeah, I remember seeing her wrestle for the first time. And I can't remember who it was against, but she stiffed the shit out of them. And I was like, wow, this girl's awesome. <laughs> and I always thought it was a shame she never got a push, you know. But No, she just got her stuff in a black bin liner. Yeah, exactly. It's WWE, eh? Whatever. So, Fandango does the deal. Jesus! But somehow Dragon kicks out at two. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, Dango misses the top rope leg drop. My hips. Dynamite Kid headbutt by Dragon. Ouch. My brain. Uh, Dragon with the Bombayer, the Kinshasa. What does he call it? Uh, it's probably the, like the, the Yesney. 
Yeah, the running knee, whatever you want to call it. Crowd count, the crowd counts along with the referee. One, two, three. The winner is Daniel Bryan. Um, for me, a perfect TV opener. I love the crowd. Dragon is obviously awesome. And Fandango is the perfect silly heel foil to babyface dragon, you know? Imagine you had never watched wrestling before, and this is the first thing you saw. A really, really passionate crowd cheering on the good guy against the bad guy. The bad guy's got a little gimmick that people around the world are replicating. The whole package of the female valet at ringside. Good in-ring action. I mean, good in-ring action is an understatement for an opening TV match. These <laughs> two came to work. And if I'd watched yeah. this for the first ever time, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to keep watching this. This is really good. This has piqued my interest. Yeah. When have you ever seen these two not come prepared for a match? Yeah. And when have you ever... <laughs> When was the last time you watched a Monday Night Raw when you had an opening match rather than a segment? Well, a, a, an in-ring like promo when you actually thought to yourself, bloody hell, that was a good opening match. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, crowd are chanting along with Dragon, doing the yes, but <laughs> Dragon gets interrupted by a generic lamp-lit Bray Wyatt promo. Remember when this was every fucking week? Just him in a low-lit room going, Oh, society. <laughs> society. <laughs> I like Hawaiian shirt. Run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's effective. I like the gimmick. But I remember this being immensely tedious, like three, four years in, when they would just have someone doing something in the ring. Burr, 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 cut to Bray going, I don't like society. Oh, the firefly. <laughs> you know, the guy's so creative. It's so interesting, and the character is so well developed. And I mean, this is such a reoccurring thing with Bray where WWE just give him. Maybe it's his own fault. I don't fucking know. Who knows the inside out workings of this? Um, but his career is such a mess, and he seems to always have so much potential for me. I, I couldn't get through this stage without something going, oh, Brody. I think that's going to oh, be... Oh, yeah, a, absolutely. I think that's Brody be, standing in the background. Yeah. You know? I just think that's going to be a big thing for me from a... The fact that we get the Elimination Chamber and this run of shows, which I think was... He should have been pushed more in WWE. But, <laughs> yeah, no shit. Jesus Christ. But what we're going to get in this run of shows at the Elimination Chamber, obviously we are following, you know this run of uh, to triple x mania but <laughs> but getting the the subplot of watching the wyatts and watching brody through this it's it's going to be really nice to be able to, to to go to that as well i genuinely i've watched this the first time round obviously i genuinely can't remember big chunks of it so i'm sure when I, it comes to it i'll be like oh yeah this happens so uh, just be a bit wary of spoilers and well, stuff. Okay, that's exactly what. That's exactly <laughs> why I've now, you know, it's just being able to watch this, this, uh, this un unravel. So sure, sure. Yeah. And Bray has some really good lines here, by the way. Uh, sorry, were you going to say something? Oh no, no, crack on, crack on. Okay, Bray has a couple of really good lines. I need you to know we're going to hurt you. You're a monster just like me. I will take all the pain away. Join us, join us, Brian. You know, it's it's very very um he's not the messiah he's a very naughty boy you know <laughs> i've watched that but film i've watched that film um, i know yeah, what you're talking you. about <laughs> but, but it's 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 effective storytelling it's fun you know it's creepy 
also, at this stage, all I saw with Bray Wyatt was, ah, Waylon Mercy. Hmm. Name rings a bell. Can't put two and two together. Waylon Mercy. Man in a, like early Monday Night Raws wore odd Hawaiian shirts and babbled a lot and tried to feud with The Undertaker. Hmm. Gonna have to look that one up at a later date. Cut to ads because we're watching this on the network. We quickly fade to black and are straight back up into our next match. I'm like, pacing of the show, bro. <laughs> it's so much better than TNA. Yeah, but you say that, at least in this show, because uh, I, I know obviously you know, we're almost uh, 50 minutes into this uh, this initial mm. prequel episode. And I know obviously we've, we've had a focus- lot to go over. Yeah. Don't worry, it's going to be a long pod, I think you'll find me. <laughs> well, because we're, we're, we're focusing really on our, st- our storylines rather than like going for in-ring content. But you sure. say about the production value, as we go through the show, yes, it's better than TNA, but what I love is the, ah, babyface is in control. We go to a break. How the fuck's the heel now in control? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens every match. I will say, one of the things that did annoy me a little bit about this whole show, every single match has the same format. Yeah. It's, it's no one ever tries to change up. They're just doing TV matches and... You understand why they're doing it every week. They've got a formula that works. They they execute it. The big reason that in 2021, AEW works for me every week and uh, Raw doesn't work for me every week is AEW always give you variation. Also, they don't give you seasickness with like cuts every two and a half seconds. Yeah, facts. In Even in 2013, show. it's pretty bad at times. Yeah, I I was quite sad when watching this and I watched... I went back and rewatched some WrestleMania stuff, this year's WrestleMania, and I worked out in some of the uh, flurry offense segments that they would do a camera cut every one and a half to two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Whereas at the moment, there, they there are was doing... a finish where they cut every like quarter of a second. <laughs> and I was like, I, I literally didn't see what was happening because you went, and they finished. I'm like, what the fuck is that? But at this stage, you're getting a camera cut every three and a half to four seconds if you've got a flurry going on or yeah. a lot of exciting stuff going on. But it, even it's not then, horrifically distracting at this point in 2013. No, but WrestleMania, when I did, when I noted it for Mania and this, it, then you know sometimes where something just plays in your mind and you just go, that was a quick cut, <laughs> that was a quick cut, that was a quick cut. Oh, fuck, I've missed half the match. That was a quick cut. <laughs> did yeah, I miss the sure. whole match because they cut? <laughs> I watched um, a documentary about how why New Japan's production is better than everyone's, and AEW have adopted a lot of their their tactics as such. Firstly, um, the cameras find the wrestlers a lot of the time. It's not the the wrestlers finding the cameras, which uh, makes a huge difference. It feels like an action sport rather than a stage performance. You saw that with the Bucks this week on Dynamite, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. There's certainly a balance to be said there. You should always work the hard cam, undoubtedly but not as religiously as they make them do on Raw and SmackDown and just WWE shows. Especially in um, pandemic times. Yeah. But the other thing to think about, and maybe this is overanalyzing, this is going to ruin wrestling for some people. When WWE film stuff, they film it from the point of view of someone attacking, someone doing the move. Okay? When AW and New Japan do it, they try and film it from the perspective of the person taking the move. So if someone's in the corner and they're about to be booted in the face, the camera will always go to the person sitting in the corner. So you see the person running towards you and you get that big impact moment. Um, The way WWE do it is they they basically film it from the side. 
you know so you see the person run and the impact and when they get to the impact they go cut 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 to make it feel like a, a cheesy action movie and uh it's it's definitively annoying and distracting i find it also avoids by cutting so quickly you never see the thigh slaps yep absolutely <laughs> did you see it with generico i mean whatever he's called now who's generico sammy zane uh, <laughs> when, when, that other wrestler sammy zane ran in to do the halluva kick had his hand up and then just didn't slap it he just had it hovering <laughs> above his leg and i was like that's fucking great uh, so funny anyway uh leading into our next match so like the, the pace of the matches is fucking great on this show uh well mm. <laughs> we'll get to this line reason a bit it's damien sandow versus santino morella both of which which are already in the ring and i'm like yeah that's fine they're kind of like you know lower mid card wrestlers at this point i guess it's fair to say well you know Sandow's going for the the, the mid card belt, so I'd say he's not low mm. card. He should be the IC belt's the next WWE champion. So this should be <laughs> well thought of with Santino versus Sandow. Sure, because they booked that belt so brilliantly over the last fifteen odd years, haven't they? Um, so the Intercontinental, well, I can say that Intercontinental Champion Big E is on commentary, uh, who sounds surprisingly sensible <laughs> during this match. <laughs> it's weird going back oh, it's and seeing Big E without the hyper new day gimmick you know this is like they said again on this um the big e doc on the the network when he was just lost and just trying to be the oh i'm a baby face ah i he's a top contender i'm gonna have to have my wits about me if i beat him yeah rather rather than soggy kisses i'm big (laughs) e (laughs) i mean sandow and morella have a match uh santino calls for the cobra jbl goes somebody call peter there's a wild snake in the ring and i'm like who's peter <laughs> I, I that's a joke i know who peter or peta or whatever it is it's fine i'm just just clarifying because some idiot out there is going to tweet me uh full nelson slam cole tells us this is called the you're welcome by damien sandow for the one two three Somewhere the Rock's royalty thing has just gone there for a Moana reference. You're welcome. Ding! <laughs> it's like Trump and you're fired. And Sandow wins the match. So Biggie hops in the ring to intimidate Sandow and lift the pretty intercontinental strap. Oh, I miss that belt. With the white leather as well. Oh, tasty. Oh, the Shawn Michaels white leather. Oh, 92. Like, yeah, buddy. Oh, it's good. It's good good belt what a great legacy cody rhodes has left on professional wrestling by bringing back that white leather before this new icy belt butchered the imagery of the icy title fucking a shame that tnt belt's fucking dreadful still I hate that belt well it's the network's championship <sighs> cyrus the virus so be terrible <laughs> <laughs> well the show started quite well didn't it tax well, you know, I do enjoy uh, Sandell's elementary elbow. <laughs> That's always a good uh, a good thing. It's yeah, they're trying too much here. I suppose because again, we've we've missed some awards probably. We've we've cut back with no wrestlers having an entrance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you don't know quite how to put it. You're just like well yeah <laughs> so i do that as well it's fine 
So double cross of the year presented by the Shield. And I'm like, wait, three active wrestlers are presenting an award. Okay. Uh, the Shield come out all in black suits, black shirts, black ties. Um, not quite sure why, but I guess they they wear black, so black suits. Seth Rollins still with his uh Pepe Le Pew hair dye hair dye job going on. Yeah, someone gunged in his hair and forgot to wash it out. Yeah. <laughs> They, <laughs> I love that we're making gunja thing. Like, yeah, I'm gonna start using this in everyday life. All right, mate. I, I watched AW. I just completely gunged myself when this happened. <laughs> <laughs> they read their scripts that they read in the back and tell us there was a pre-show where they won two slammies. Apparently, good stuff. Do you want to know what they were? Oh, have you got this down? Go on, then. Right, hang on, because I've I've got every slammy noted. This is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> they got faction of the year and Great. breakout star of the year. All three of them. Yep. Do you want to know? Uh, do you want to know who <laughs> the the other factions of the year were? Who they were up against? We've we're already an hour in. Let's skip over. No, no, it's important. So, it's important. Oh, for God's sake! Go on then. Who are the other factions of the year? The Wyatt family. Okay. The Real Americans. Which is Tony, Swagger, and Zeb. And yeah, sure. to show what they're up against, 3MB. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, one of them was a former World Heavyweight Champion. Two of them. Whatever. Two of them. Oh, because Jinder. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking more recently. But oh, sorry. Right. I thought you were. Oh, sorry. There's me thinking you were about to downplay McIntyre. Oh, one of them was a former Heavyweight Champion. Jinder. <laughs> <laughs> right, Drew was also there, you know. Yeah. What's Heath doing? <laughs> <laughs> so back to double cross of the year the script writing is fucking awful they show the nominations video package do you, do you want to go through the nominations because i've not written any of them down um I, I, as you said we're we're an hour in but i i certainly can because obviously i wrote them down okay. Let, let's do it this way who, who who was your pick to win this award what for the uh, for double cross of the year yeah hang on uh, well tell me who your pick is <laughs> well it, it should have been mark henry yeah, let's go. Summer Jacket Mark Henry. <laughs> Summer Jacket Mark Henry. It was Triple H turning on Daniel Bryan, costing him the, the belt at SummerSlam. Or Heyman turning on CM Punk and costing him the money in the bank contract. Or Shawn Michaels sure. super kicking Daniel Bryan at Hell in the Cell. I guess this is good because it gives people an idea of things that have happened in the year leading into the story we're doing. So this this show is a really good one to pick up as a prequel. I think this was a really good idea, dude. Yeah, but Shawn Michaels won, came out, yep. said... I've been, I've been. Well, well, well hang on, hang on. This is we've got. This is where we've got to talk about formatting because they do the nominations, and then they go, "The winner will be announced later." Because apparently, here's Kofi Kingston, <laughs> <laughs> and so Kofi comes out to the ring, and we cut to adverts, and then a woman's kind of really sensual voice welcomes us back to the ad break, and I gunge everywhere. Um, back to the shield at the podium while Kofi's in the ring, <laughs> and you're like. Why? 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 Why the entrance and then the ads and then back to the award? Just do the award, then have them do the entrance, right? Fucking ridiculous. Stupid idea. This happens for every single fucking award tonight, practically. It's mental. I get the impression someone accidentally reordered some rows in Excel and that the order of the, <laughs> the sheet and no one. No one was going to question Vince. He hit the keyboard. It jumped around a couple of the order things. It's like, Vince? You've got someone coming to out to announce the award. 
Then Kofi comes out. Then we have a break. Then we confirm the winner. Then the mid. What? No, the bit. No, no, don't complain. This, this <laughs> extra, extra awkward is before Jesus Christ. So during the ad break, he wasn't there. He wasn't nominated. <laughs> Miz has also come out to the ring. So as we cut to back to Sean at the podium, who's announcing. And sorry, as we cut back to the Shield, who announced Sean as the winner for the Slammy. Miz and Kofi, who are about to fight each other, are just standing in the ring, hanging about. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck? Okay. So, no one jumps anyone from behind while this is going on? <laughs> they all okay. really want to know who won the Slammy. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's really funny. Fucking oh, ridiculous. So, Sean won this for Double Cross of the Year for Super Kicking Dragon, so Orton could beat Dragon for the belt. Uh, or Triple H could be Dragon for the Belt? Who was it? Which one? Orton. Orton, okay. HBK chats a bit and jokes about how many times he's double-crossed people, which is tons, to be fair. Yeah, uh, poor Sean Marty Co- Gennetti. <laughs> yeah, poor, poor half the roster, dude. Like, we forget how many times Sean's actually betrayed people over the years. It's an immense amount of times. Um, HBK cuts a great line at a kid shouting, you sold out. He goes... I sold out a long time ago. That's why I'm still here. <laughs> Sean's the best. I also like the fact that when I don't understand that I've been double-crossing people for like 20 years and now I've won, a, won an award five years after I've retired. It's yeah, another great one. So, uh, then he wanders off. This Sean is in full silly mode at this point. He's already retired, right? Or is that yeah, not? He's, he's fully retired, yeah. That was last year. I thought it might be the WrestleMania coming up. I was like, oh, do we get to see? And I was like, no, no, no he's no. he's five years gone now, isn't he? No, he's four years gone now heading into Mania because he, he went at 26, yeah. didn't he? I, I, numbers just disappear in my head, dude. My, my memory for numbers is awful. That could have been WrestleMania 5. That could have been WrestleMania 50. I don't know. WrestleMania 50 will still have the same wrestlers on this show. <laughs> if we get there. But anyway, so it's The Miz versus Kofi Kingston in 2013, much like 2021. Uh, I like Raw with the Raw with the uh, white ring ropes. Looks really cool. I wonder if that was just for the Slammies. Mm, we'll find out. Uh, Kofi has Miz in a roll-up after some, you know, Miz goes to walk away up the ramp because he's the bad guy. Kofi brings him back in the ring. Kofi gets Miz in a roll-up. Miz kicks out and Kofi goes face first into the turnbuckles quite gently. Uh, Miz rolls up Kofi, gently caresses Kofi's tights, which Cole goes, he's got a handful of tights for the one, two, three. And uh, the winner is the Miz. It's a match, isn't it? <laughs> Just go show how much I cared about this match. Miz won by roll-up. Documentary in 24 is good. <laughs> Kofi gives Miz a spinny super kick for good measure afterwards. But How dare good. you? That's the trouble in paradise. Sure it is. Uh, Cole, completely unenthused at this point, goes, it's now time for another Slammy Award. <laughs> Eve Torres, looking fucking awesome, is here to present Slammy for Diva of the Year. Um, two of the four nominations are not singular people. <laughs> I mean, Diva of the Year... We've got the Bella Twins, the Funkadactyls as another tag team. <laughs> Both uh, two people. <laughs> AJ Lee, Natty, Eva Marie, and Caitlin. Who's your pick? Well, I've seen pictures of Caitlin, so uh, Caitlin. <laughs> uh, isn't she a bit dead now? Who, Caitlin? No, yeah. you're, think- you're thinking of 
Amy Massaro. Ashley Massaro, sorry. Who's Caitlin then? She was on the all female season of NXT and one of AJ Lee's mates. Huh. <laughs> but in fairness, <laughs> the Bellas should have won Just this because of their tone. Awkward silence. <laughs> the Bellas should have won this because they were the stars of an E Network show, so it gives them more promo stuff, so I understand. In fairness, right, the stats for this apparently were one point six million votes were cast uh for this these Slammy Awards, which is interesting. <coughs> one point six three nine 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 was actually from you know um, John Laurinaitis uh, voting for the Bellas as you know he's married to their mother. Yeah, I'm also six foot ten and weigh seven hundred pounds. Wrestling, it's fine. I walk around. Come at just, on. I walk around at five. <laughs> I walk around at five eleven in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, obviously AJ Lee is. The best, but whatever it is, what it is. Um, but before we actually get that winner announced, there's obviously the Bella Twins, and we'll talk about that in a second. Who's that jumping off the boat? Ari Why Mysterio? Don't Where? you know? <laughs> Who's that jumping the border? Ari Why Mysterio? <laughs> uh, Ray makes his entrance. Colon and goes. Ray Mysterio. The Slammies keep getting better and better. Ray really Mysterio funny. Jr. He was in wrestling in 2013. Now is he also on the roster in 2021? Sure, yeah. <sighs> Did you notice that a fan handed Ray a customized Seahawk jersey? Yeah. And Ray, look, Ray was like, can I have this? Is this okay? Yeah. That's like a 160 quid jersey, dude. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing giving that away? <laughs> it's mental. A sidebar on this, I am absolutely disgusted at how much replica sports shirts cost these days. I saw Conroy mm. posting about uh, getting like a, a Fields um, replica jersey following the draft. And it's like, it's only $120. $120 for a replica Jesus. shirt. Fucking hell, Conroy. You could you sell the rest of your fucking wrestling merch first, then buy it. <laughs> and that's without the customization stuff on it. You know what I mean? You're it's joking. Ridiculous. Without name and number? Uh, well, it would have a stock name and number, you'd imagine. But oh. with your own on it, it costs more, obviously. Man. Ridiculous. I own a couple of hockey jerseys, all that I bought in person sort of thing. Uh, so they're a bit cheap because you buy them from the store, like, you know, the cheaper store in Vancouver or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, I own one Arsenal shirt. It was the the, added, the first recent Adidas one because it said Adidas on it. I'm like a bit of a mark. What can I say? That's the kind of shirt, though. It's so pretty that you could, like, get away with wearing that on the high street. It's just a nice shirt. <laughs> yeah. No, you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, you're probably I, right. I'm not gonna lie to you, my friend. You're a Who man are you it- sponsored by? Who makes your shirts? Uh, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're a man in not your thirties. You shouldn't be. We- you shouldn't be wearing sports mm. shirts. I tell you what. If you ever come to a highbrow dinner with me and you rock up in your Arsenal shirt, I'm just leaving. But I will also pay the bill. <laughs> oh, I'll find something less classy than that, dude. I've got a few things. Uh, so, winner of the diva, the diva of the year. Well, many of people are waiting in the ring for their match to start. <laughs> <laughs> the Bella Twins. You know, Diva, not Divas. Can they do that, Joey? Bastards. Well, um, you know, th- 2014 is going to be the year of the Bellas. Well, speaking of which, this from this little reaction here, they quite obviously are meant to be faces, but they're getting booed. That's because Breeze entered the dragon. <laughs> That's never not going to make me laugh. <laughs> I think <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that though, in all seriousness, right? I hmm. 
the Bella Twins have done have done a wonderful thing for WWE, getting their the eyes on the product. I think more female fans have migrated. So many to jokes, so many jokes just went through my head all in one moment, and I was like, <laughs> "You can so, look, but you can't." Touch. I mean, Bray Wyatt, <laughs> you know, Bray Wyatt, yeah. just purely for that alone. <laughs> but the Bellas, for the female fan base, through their cross-brand promotion and stuff that they've done, um, I assume their wine's a heap of shit. But I, I honestly believe that they they genuinely are the reason where we're at with the women's division because they realized they had such fanfare and could get in more money by having talented women featured and the Bella Twins. Nah, it's all Charlotte Flair, you're wrong. What's she ever done? We hate her. She's always favorite. Bring in Tessa Blanchard to beat her up. I, I desperately miss Charlotte Flair. I think she's one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. I love her. I think she's yeah. fucking amazing. Gets a very unfair rap, but this is the thing, yeah. right? We're in the era of the diva, not the proper sure, sports, sure. sports entertainer. Yeah, yeah. I, I get the um that they they brought a lot of attention to the product, which is a good thing. However, moving swiftly mm. on to what was almost an AEW match. <laughs> yeah, dude, like really. So while all this is going on with the Bellas in the ring for an eight-man tag team match, uh, Cody Rhodes, Goldust, Rey Mysterio, and the Big Show on one side of the ring, Curtis Axel, Ryback, say the name, Axel. <laughs> and the real Americans. We're not racist. We promise. We've got a Swiss guy of Antonio Cesaro and Jack Swagger with uh, resident racist Seb Coulter. I'm going with yeah, resident racist. So yeah. 50% of this match is AEW, mm. and the rest has retired. Oh, no, sorry, no. Tw- 25% is still in WWE, and 25% is no longer currently active. Yeah, fair point. I mean, so, so it's still nice got to see Ray that we've and... now got like two wrestlers who actually were on this card who aren't wrestling today. But again, nine years later, this is, again, the first match we've hit where people aren't actually active in sports entertainment at the moment. Sure. Um, so Ray and Ryback to start. Yep. Uh, they, these lads all do a bit of a wrestle. Uh, Ryback selling. Can you think of a word to describe it? Feed me more. That, that's three words, but okay. <laughs> Not when you're Ryback. <laughs> Can he count? Who knows? Uh, perfect Cito isn't great. <laughs> I'm going with this gimmick. <laughs> Hopefully we get more of these boys. So the rest of the lads are more than capable, though. I think Perfect Tito and Ryback are a bit shit, but the rest of them, yeah, I could watch all these guys wrestle all, t- all day. And people wonder, and yeah, he's already you know head and shoulders above a lot of people anyway in Brit wrestling, certainly a million times better than me, so I know I'm not one to talk, but this is the reason why Curtis Axel never became a top-level star, unfortunately. I think he was very much lumbered with the Henning name. Mm-hmm. I think starting as Michael McGillicuddy was a bad thing. Had they just had him as Joe Henning to start with, at least they would have been able to give him a bit of a rub from that standpoint. And yes, he worked with The Rock, and yes, we heard in like Punk's semi-half work shoot promos that he promised that, oh, I'm Curtis Axel, I'll get you over, I promise I'll make you a top guy, and then did Naffle with him when Curtis Axel came out was a Heyman guy. And it's that sort mm-hmm. of thing is that even if you've got Paul Heyman with you, it didn't work for Cesaro and it isn't going to work for 
Curtis Axel. It just didn't work for him, unfortunately. Yeah, just doesn't seem to have it, you know. Like maybe same, one day. Same as Mini Ted. When Mini Ted was supposed yeah. to be the breakout star and they tried to give him the belt, they tried to give him Maurice and it just didn't work. Yeah, he joe that's hard to say. He joe de Dibiossi. He joe de Dollar. <laughs> there you go. So Goldust does this great spot where he's reached up into the air by thrown up into the air by two people and he's reaching for the tags. And he goes, I can't quite reach it. So he just grabs both heads and DDTs both of them. Fucking awesome spot. Uh, which leads to the hot tag to Cody. And watching this back, I have a whole new appreciation for Cody now knowing how capable he is. Oh, I mean, fantastic in-ring stuff and like disaster kick, really nice finisher. Yeah. His stuff, so, which he did with the paper bags over people's heads, and then when he was, because he was dashing Cody Rhodes, maybe mm-hmm. before, I think it was before this, wasn't he? When he was, uh, just before he turned into Stardust. This would be pre-Stardust because he's tagging with, with Dustin. But the dashing Cody Rhodes stuff where he had the face mask where he pretended like he hid his face in this <laughs> clear mask. I was like, that's such good work. Absolutely, man. Hijo de Dusty beats up Perfect Junior for a bit. <laughs> Cody gives the crowd a come on, like he's making his entrance at a British indie show. Uh, disaster kick, 619, dropping the dime. Cole to Perfect Inyo. Uh, as, as Cole says, dropping the dime because he loves it too. Perfect Inyo gets the move. Oh, that tends to make sense. Fuck it. One, two, three. <laughs> the winners are Cody Rhodes, Gold Dust, Rey Mysterio, and The Big Show. Inoffensive, better than I expected. Yeah, nothing. I mean, there's no storyline here. This is literally just a filler match for the Slammies before we're yeah. once again told how to download an app. It's it's who else have we got in the back sort of match, and it's it's fair enough. Uh, Michael Cole teaches his Americans how to use a phone again. Uh, Booker T, <laughs> sorry, laughing at my own shit. Uh, Booker T, um, and uh, how'd your kids? How'd your wife? Got ripped everybody out. <laughs> Jerry Lawless here. <laughs> Oh fuck! I like the fact that you just laughed at your own joke, (laughs) then laughed at your next joke in your notes. (laughs) Because I forgot I wrote that joke, paused, and went, "Am I going to say it?" I was like, "Fuck it!" I kind of mumbled my way through it. I think I'll get away with that. Um, They intro HBK Shawn Michaels. Uh, This is the Slammy for Superstar of the Year. HBK talks about the best wrestler. Crowd instantly starts the yes chance. We all know who's the most over person here. Sean suggests that we call this the HB Shizzle Award. <laughs> like, beautiful. Why not? The nominees for this category mm. are very good, except one. Go on. I, I don't remember who they are. I know who my pick was. It's Dragon, obviously. So the nominees are Brock Lesnar. I'll save the last one, the best one to the end. Sure. Brock Lesnar, CM Punk, uh, Dragon, Orton, Cena, Big Show. <laughs> brilliant do we have a he heel face scenario at the moment for big show i think he's a face right yeah <laughs> I, no i well i think he's face <laughs> <laughs> who who knows <laughs> the expression of oh could be touch and go <laughs> oh, is that another lawler joke <laughs> hey <laughs> Ah, but first, never mind that shit. Here comes Sinkara. <laughs> Sinkara Dose. I was about to say, th- I was going to work out. Should we play like, you know, which Sinkara is this one? <laughs> it, it's um, it's Hunico versus... How's this man still getting booked? 
absolutely. So I went back and checked out the Rumble from 2013 just to have a look at kind of what stories were happening and which Rumble that was in preparation for watching Rumble next week. And uh, in that Rumble is definitively uh, Mystico Sinkara. So this is less than five months later, <laughs> and it's Unico. Well, so that that was an interesting few months, wasn't it? Well, that's because uh, original Sinkara got injured. Mm. Hunico Sinkara took over with the then- giant tattoo on his shoulder, and it was like it's the same person. <laughs> and then other Sinkara came back, and that's when they had Sinkara versus Sinkara Michael Knee. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Torito. <laughs> uh, so, um, <laughs> I messaged him the other day, actually. Oh, wow. Good okay. old Michael Nee, because on one of the last shows on Fight, which o- OWE were doing, he basically promised that he, c- he said, I want to get all our fans who support us on Fight. I will pay for their accommodation. I will pay for their drinks when they're over there. I can't afford flights for all of you, but I will pay for your accommodation <laughs> and pay for your drinks. And I just messaged him out of the blue going, is that offer still on for free accommodation? <laughs> he has yet Did he to get res- back to He you? has yet to respond. <laughs> okay. In fairness, I I, <laughs> I I know we've gone on too long, but on the food podcast, I had to t- I met I emailed Cadbury <laughs> about a query I had. And they got back to me. I was the like, chocolate oh. makers, yeah. Yeah, the chocolate makers. Because we had a whole discussion on the um that food podcast about chocolate being kept in the fridge versus chocolate being kept in the cupboard. I don't give a shit. It's chocolate. I'll eat it. <laughs> Please so go ca- ahead. So, so ca- well, it's just the fact that Cadbury, a global company, took the time to respond to my email of a stock email mm. answer. Whereas my good friend and former colleague, Michael Nee, can't be bothered to fucking email me back about giving me free accommodation and food in Cambodia. Is, <laughs> is this the point where I go on about estate agents and how fucking awful they are at their jobs? I think Michael <sighs> Nee's an estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do estate agents do exactly? Uh, take a lot of money for doing very little. I'm trying to work out what they've done in this process and why I'm giving them like four grand. I'm like, you've done nothing. I've arranged everything, including the photos, the videos, the floor plans, the description. You've just put it on the internet and you're charging me four grand for that. What the fuck? Anyway, uh, but first, never mind that shit. Here comes Inkara. No bocce trampoline entrance, which is a real shame. Uh, Do you know how I know this is Hunico and not the other one? Well, obviously the massive tattoo. (laughs) And he didn't botch while jumping on the ropes. So scary pyro, the first pyro of the night, I think. Hmm. Fair point. Yeah, pyro hmm. and and mood lighting for some uh, some gunging. Do you know what makes me annoyed? <laughs> <laughs> makes me gunge is a Hunako Sinkara match with yellow and blue lighting around the ring. It's fucking awful, isn't it? I love the fact that when The Fiend came out, they were like, just change the bulb. <laughs> Give them a red bulb instead. They'll love it. The fact they went back to that Amania, I was like, do you know nothing about what your fan base wants? Like, nothing at all. They didn't want a night too. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was bad. Wasn't it? That well, one was almost really as bad as this match. Yeah, so uh, with Sin Cara just standing about in the ring, HBK tells us the slamming for Superstar of the Year goes to Double Checks. <laughs> Dragon, obviously. Uh, he's the best in the fucking world. King Dragon, the ultimate. Um, HBK no, no, he's not the hand. ultimate dragon. That will be Ultimo Dragon. Oh, but he is the ultimate, though. 
own giving that gimmick if he turns heel. Mm. The like, ultimate. I like, I like Bret Hart. I trying to think of other guys who I'm like really just like. Okay, I like Okada. You know what I mean? No one is as good as Dragon. That's my I, firm belief at this. I point. would agree with you. Genuinely. I don't think there's anyone as good as him. Quick question, as and again as a stupid question. I I know this is gonna. I know the answer for this, but I will just ask for clarity. Mm. Had Dragon never made it to this top level in WWE, do you think you'd have the same opinion? Uh, yeah, he I'm literally. Um, oh, wow, it probably was a year, maybe a bit less before he went to WWE. I remember Dragon was scheduled to wrestle Paul London, sitting born of all people, in front of about 50 people. Uh, Paul London no-showed, so Puck turned up. <laughs> and you're like, Puck. excuse me? <laughs> We're going to get to see American Dragon, Brian Danielson, against Puck? Yeah, please. This is prime Dragon Gate Puck. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and I like Dragon. I, I'm a big, I'm a British dude, right? I, I'm a big Puck fan. I cheered Puck when he comes to the ring. The second Dragon music's here, I'm like, best in the world, the best in the world, because he fucking was. There's, for me, in terms of enjoyment watching wrestling live, it's it's only Generico and Dragon are the two that are the very, very best for me. And Dragon just has that extra something which makes him the very best. It's it's very difficult to beat a finger on. The only person I've seen wrestle uh, and come close to that level live, so I would on the second tier down, I would have Balor, well Devitt and Joe. Okay. When I've seen them wrestle, but surprisingly, Kurt Angle on the two times I've seen him work in person. Man. Kurt Angle's oh, he's right up there, dude. He he is he is in the the people I've seen wrestle live, as in rather than like TV watching, actually being in the crowd and be able to watch the movement and the intricacies and the footwork of the ring and just you know because obviously I'm not watching on a camera, I can just pick and watch what I want to watch of that wrestler and get what I want out of that. Mm. Dragon and Kurt Angle are two of I I can't separate them, but they are the best workers I've ever seen live. And they said yeah, Devitt and Joe are just below that. Then there's me, then there's Matt Terry, <laughs> then there's Voltage, and then there's Big Show. <laughs> I took a bump once, you know. Uh, so just, just quickly, we've got a lot to get through, but um, uh, the reason I can always put Dragon above even Kurt Angle is that Kurt Angle is a guy that was a amateur wrestler that came in that learned how to do it very, very well. And so he understands the mythology, methodology to it. He understands the technique. He's, he's really, really outstanding. Punk growing up as an ultimate just wrestling, like pro wrestling guy, means that for me he has everything that Angle has in that element and growing up doing the the more legitimate side of pro wrestling techniques and things, you know. Uh, but he also has that je ne sais quoi of... Ooh, nice terminology. Ridiculousness that is pro wrestling. And everyone needs that little je ne sais quoi. Very nice. Indeed. So HBK struggles to hand over the Slammy to Dragon, gives it some great comedy chops that almost corpses Dragon. Again, these little sequences and stuff that I think Kurt Angle, Dragon, HBK, they're just they're just the best at. They're really, really funny. Um, Dragon thanks Sean for the HB Shizzle Award. <laughs> hey. 
improv as well he's the best uh dragon cuts a promo on the authority at least someone is doing their fucking job while doing these slammies uh dragon gets all shouty and gives it a go seahawks for the super duper cheap pop fucking brilliant stuff man really Big foley applauding for the cheap pop. <laughs> well yeah he mentioned it later oh he, he does doesn't he <laughs> yeah so uh sin Cara is still in the ring by the way oh no i smell a massive cunt page <laughs> no we can't say that in this context what hangman <laughs> oh no it's not hangman page tax it's del rio oh no interestingly the best <sighs> del rio i've ever known is a, a regen of a player in football manager and that's all i think mm. of when i hear think of del rio anymore he's got me 40 uh, goals one season for Sevilla. very nice so uh, these two lads do a wrestling. Crowd gives literally zero fucks. They're just chanting about their sports teams the whole way through. Del Rio stealing the biggest face in the company's gimmick, but just turning it Spanish. Can we talk about that? I don't want to talk anything about him, to be honest. I mean, nice imagine, car. <laughs> imagine I come out, right? But just in Spanish, I go, I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, but in Spanish. Wouldn't you go... Hang on. <laughs> That's not your fucking line. But Del Rio coming out going, C, C, C is is fine. We're okay with this. C. <laughs> what a cunt. Not you, him, but you are a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Then Cole, Cole and JBL constantly arguing with each other during this match. Just intent on getting their shit in. It is genuinely quite annoying in this match. Uh Sinkara with a Swanton, one, two, three. Who gives a fuck? It's not Mr. Go. Uh, Cole tells us it's time for our next Slammy Award. And uh, who comes out to give the Fan Participation Award tax? Millions of dollars, millions of dollars, millions of dollars. No, it's not Cameron Grimes. It's the Primetime Players. <laughs> Here to present the Progress Fan Award. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, it's, it's great. So they, these two lads talk about their suits. Titus struggles to talk as always. Um, Titus even does the yes, yes as an example of the crowd doing a chant and no one joins in and I was just like, ah, it's well funny <laughs> he couldn't even get that over <laughs> I mean, Titus will always have my fondest memory of that first ever Saudi show where he stacked it at the greatest ever Royal Rumble and yeah. stacked it and slid under the ring, just for Michael Cole and Corey Graves' commentary <laughs> it was the best <laughs> That's the best. The that's the first time Michael. It. <laughs> and having Graves fall off his chair laughing. In fairness, that's the best commentary Michael Cole's done in like a decade. <laughs> yeah, fucking a man, fucking a. Um. So, yeah, I swear someone from the crowd just shouts, "Get off the stage!" But maybe it was just in my head. That was Vince. Um, <laughs> they do the millions of dollars stick. Uh, the nominations. Do you want to go through them? Oh, yes. Well, you know, this this is a really important one, the fan participation uh, of the year, as I scroll through all of my various notes. No, it's not the li- uh, list. It's not the list is awesome. Uh, fan participation. So we've got Yes, Yes, Yes by Daniel Bryan. M- maybe you could demonstrate these chants. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was going to do it as, as a chart rundown. At number four, it's What's Up by R-Truth. Number three, Let's Go Cena, Cena Sucks by John Cena. Number two, it's Fandango, Fandangoing, but all his way to number one, it's Daniel Bryan with the hit song Yes, Yes, Yes. 
there's a joke about uh, Jimmy Savile and Jerry Lawler there, but I'm going to skip over it. So, um, my pick was going to be, I'm going to go with the fans shitting on Ryback and John Cena as the last two in the Royal Rumble this year. That was pretty shocking. I was going to go with Fandangoing because, mm, you know, there we go. everyone loves up a little bit of a Fandango from now on, now on again, <laughs> leading to a nice <laughs> bit of a gunging. Cheeky Fandango leading That's to a it. massive gunge. <laughs> everyone likes to gunge their Fandango, right? <laughs> Gunging the Fandango is the new yanking the plank, is it? Is that where we're going? <laughs> the winner is Dragon, obviously. The best in the world. Uh, he's quite plainly over as just all fucking hell. It's just really awesome. It would be weird if WWE didn't push him to the, you know, <laughs> the main event immediately, right? Yeah, I mean, who would think what could happen next? Yeah, that'd be terrible. Take this baby face you've got and, you know, try and highlight other shitty wrestlers and no one gives a fuck over this guy, right? Or is that what they want us to think? They want us to think. Mm. Indeed. Somebody call my mama. Somebody call my mama. Tell about my mama. Oh, it's Tensai. And Cameron and Naomi, don't forget. Oh, well, they, they're very upset they didn't win Diva of the Year, collectively. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Brodus Clay versus Xavier Woods, who's accompanied by R-Truth. What's up? Because they're both black, I guess, is the gimmick. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, Vince McMahon booking 101, yeah? Yeah. This guy's black and has, <sighs> has, has hair. This guy's black and has hair. And they're both mm. really good at music. <laughs> is Woods his gimmick that he's good at music at this point? Well, it's he's good at dancing because the gimmick is that he w- he was allowed <laughs> to borrow the Funkadactyls, wasn't he? And the entrance music. That's why there's there's Vince, beef. Vince gets all his writing stuff backstage and he's like, right, so tell me about black culture. Dancing, you say? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. When we do Black History Month, we need a lot of dancers, right? <laughs> so, Vince, what are you doing? <laughs> Oh, fuck's sake. So Cole tells us that Woods beat Brodus Clay last week. So Brodus is a big, angry boy. Well, no, actually, uh, Vince, the, Cole told us that Woods beat Clay last week. So that means Clay's winning today. Well, yeah, that's how booking works in 2013, right? And 2021 and the last 20 odd years of WWE. Uh, so apparently the Funkadactyls prefer dancing with Woods. So that's the gimmick they're going with. Poor Brodus. Uh, Fatism. That's what that is. Hmm. Oh, look at this man with abs. We want to dance with him. We don't want to dance with a cuddly bear. Yeah, fuck you. This is just like school discos when I was younger. Bitches, (laughs) slags, hussies. As I was writing my notes, Brodus destroys Woods. One, two, three. Uh, The winner is Brodus Clay. Couldn't, I just did no inclination to rewind it and find out how. I just saw truth selling. Splat splash. Yeah. The big splat splash. So Brodus wins. Brodus attacks Woods as Tenzai and Truth come in and sell that, you know, Brodus attacked Woods. And oh, what a dick. Um, so, I, yeah, there we go. Tenzai isn't even called Sweet Tea yet, and that's disgraceful. <laughs> hmm. There's a very, very funny line, though, as Brodus is walking away doing his, you know, I'm a heel now thing, even though, ooh, is he? Is he not? Brodus has this fucking incredibly funny line where he goes, I'm a main event player. <laughs> Yeah, like, on impact. Are you? Are you? <laughs> uh, Miz is here to award the Slammy for insult of the year. Is that not just Miz? 
this this was a joke, this award because mm. it's well. Speaking of jokes, tax <laughs> <laughs> Miss starts to tell us a joke. Are you excited? I do love a joke. Miss goes. Okay, oh wait, hang on. I'm going to copy and paste you what I need you to respond with <laughs> because it's quite long. Okay, <laughs> so this is your response, all right? So Miss goes. I don't know. Oh, I read, read your bit. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> I had it highlighted. Leave me alone. Miss goes, what do a billion dollar princess, a bald blubbering walrus, a deranged skipping psychopath, Yosemite Sam lookalike all have in common? I don't know, Miss. What do a billion dollar princess, a bald blubbering walrus, a deranged skipping psychopath, Yosemite Sam lookalike all have in common? When it comes to insults, they're all awesome. I came to play! <laughs> Miz doesn't seem to understand how jokes work, Tax. <laughs> this is why my stand-up career didn't go very well either. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, well read the line, by the way. I wrote Yosemite Sam phonetically just so we both got it right. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, yeah, good. You understood my ridiculous note-taking? I like Ron Burgundy. I'll read whatever you put on there. <laughs> if you told me to read it, I could have possibly been facing a lot of imprisonment if you'd written something else. <laughs> Do you want to go through the nominations of Insult of the Year? Zeb Coulter being, being racist. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Paul Heyman hating straight edge. But um, not even joking. My pick says exactly Zeb Coulter being a big old racist every week. Paul Heyman. Uh, insulting CM Punk, who at this moment looks very tired all the time. AJ Lee uh, being accurate about Total Divas. Or Stephanie McMahon, Stephanie McMahon telling Big Show, you should be a giant, we've booked you terribly, so as, as a reward for our terrible book of you, I'm going to slap the shit out of your face four times. But fuck all that shit. Look in my eyes! What do you see? Several thousand pounds of royalties! It's clobbering time! I miss CM Punk so much. Oh, I didn't realize how much I missed this guy. That entrance. Just instantly, I'm like, oh, this is pro wrestling. It's so much fun. He looks bad, though. His eyes, yeah, he looks he's so shattered. tired. <laughs> he looks in pain. He looks exhausted. He looks frustrated, pissed off, completely at his wit's end with this fucking company. I mean, it's probably because he realizes his match at TLC is going to be, you've guessed it, a handicap match against The Shield. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I... I <laughs> we've already run long on this episode so i'm not going to go about the terrible booking we'll cover that at the rumble but he probably knows what the booking is for sunday night and it's gone what <laughs> sure so back from ads the shield head or shield are heading into the ring from the crowd apparently it'll be mox versus punk tonight and i'm like sweet that'll be all right um mox, at fucking mark dean ambrose <laughs> eh, he's mox to me uh at tlc in six days it'll be punk versus all three of the shield i'm like okay and then we understand why later it's explained that kane is now part of the authority and he's booking some matches he has some title i've written it down somewhere but oh director of operations assistant to the regional manager <laughs> sure 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 good nice nice you've seen the office then 
I've watched. One. I've watched both. Yeah, oh, I've okay, watched. Good. That's the joke in the British one as well, isn't it? Yeah, I just remember. it is. Yeah. Um. Right. So, oh yeah, Miz is here. Uh, St- Steph slapping the shit out of Big Show one best insult somehow because you know it's insulting that she didn't need her words. Hmm. Steph drops a best for business line here and gets some booze. She's great at her job. Uh, thankfully, it's over quickly, so we can get to CM Punk versus Dean Ambrose with Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins at ringside. Can they do that, Jerry? Uh, pre-match, Rollins says, it's only CM Punk. You've got this, which is fucking great. It's well funny. <laughs> fair, fair play. Again, I, I shit on the Young Bucks, but fair play to the Young Bucks for their Twitter game at the moment. Have you seen what they did mm. after Rollins said that his jacket made it through the, un- the Unforbidden Door? Um... It's oh de- god, it was an edit I did earlier, I've forgotten though. <laughs> so basically, instead of tweeting a response to um <laughs> to Seth Rollins on Twitter, they just updated their bio. Their bio. And oh, they've changed it to all Japanese now. But uh They're changing it every few minutes at the moment. It's yeah. very But funny. basically they said Something about Tyler, Ty, well, well-spotted Tyler, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Oh. Nice. Had I One actually written the... that down, it would probably have been funny than me fucking <laughs> that up, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> My favourite bio change they've done so far is they put uh, as their bio, uh, how can we be better professional wrestlers? Tell us in the pinned comment. Then the pinned comment had the replies turned off. <laughs> I was like, well, that's they, funny. That's great. They've got it. They've got it in Japanese, but unfortunately, Twitter auto-updates the translation, so it just says, prefer doing Twitter this way, but we def- do miss interacting with you all, and the hateful messages, body shaming, death threats, and Google Map images of our homes. <laughs> uh, so, when this match starts with Ambrose and Punk, uh, Punk obviously looks very uncomfortable taking bumps and stuff, and I wondered whether this was to do with the cyst on his back, because I think that's at this time, right? Yeah. But commentary talk yeah. about how Punk is having bruised ribs, apparently, from a previous beating. So I'm wondering, maybe he's just selling those as well? You can never tell. And again, this is the thing, unfortunately, with this whole Punk MRSA or Mercer, as our, Amer- our friends mm. across the pond will refer to it as. It's really difficult to as- assume that level of medical negligence from a qualified position, just to turn around and go, ah, oh, just have a Z pack or a Z pack. Mm-hmm. It's so I think he's dealing with a lot of issues at this stage. He said, I think this is just one other thing on top of it. Allegedly, in our opinion, it's it's not no, nothing's real. Don't worry. Yeah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't think I said anything. I don't think I said anything bad. I said I find no, no, it, I, I, just... I would find it bizarre. It's meant to be funny, but don't worry about oh, it. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. Uh, basically sells the shit out of his ribs though as the match goes on because that's the story here and at least he does sell you know at least punk Mm. understands punk gets wrestling that's one of the greatest things always of punk and i will always look back to i think it was an roh feud between him and raven to Mm -hmm. start with where raven basically pulled punk to one side and went this is how you do this. This is the idea of wrestling psychology, and I think Punk's all you know has always credited like Scott Levy with in the early days of you know one of the veterans actually took someone to one side and did X, Y, and Z. So must be nice to have caught Raven on a rare lucid moment. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
Uh, that feud spread across a whole bunch of promotions, by the way. It even oh, went to 1PW at the time as well. Yeah, Really good. I think the 1PW is a shoot RF video thing that I, I saw of that, actually. Oh, nice. Cool. So, um, super solid storytelling in this match. Uh, Mox working over an injured punk while Rollins and Reigns play along at ringside. Uh, both these lads talk way too much, by the way. Rollins. Uh, what, as in in-ring or the guys on the outside? Uh, in-ring, yeah. You can hear them calling every single spot tired punk's tired <laughs> yeah again they just don't seem to give a fuck to be totally honest uh aw referee aubrey is having a bloody great time hanging out with roman and seth at ringside <laughs> it's really I, funny watching this i do like again at this stage it was like ambrose he's going to be our first number one guy because obviously he's the one who came with most internet fanfare for his like his czw mm. i know how it's you between him and that. um seth yeah yeah so seth so was always champion yeah, but that means nothing to WWE. He was the FCW champion means as well, to wasn't the fans, he? Though. Yeah, the fans don't watch WWE, they do they? <laughs> yeah, sure. Do you mean ROH? Yeah. Good stuff. Although a couple of near <laughs> Sorry, go on. Although I have I have started watching some of the ROH, the free hour ROH weekly shows on um Fight, purely because I am very much enjoying the work of Danhausen at the moment oh i was gonna make a joke and be like ain't nobody got time for that but i like dan Housen, so oh well. uh have you seen his interview with uh sean ross sap in the toy store no the last thing i saw of him going mm, dan Housen, bag of money's a lot emptier since i lost i must get another <laughs> win to fill another bag of money and then his list of the year going i must have 30 bags of monies that's awesome he turned up to a toy store interview with srs in a whole beekeeper outfit with like a <laughs> <laughs> just the best a <laughs> uh, couple of near falls leading to mox throwing punk out to the shield lads and you think a beatdown's about to happen but mox tells the shield lads to back off and fuck off to the back mox wants to beat punk one-on-one and prove himself couple of sweet reversals later gts connects with punk for the one two three ah in very su- evil <laughs> <laughs> a super solid little match on tv cm punk's your winner great stuff yeah, it's just a shame he stole Kenta's move, isn't it? Uh, borrowed. Neither. I think it's fair. Well, <laughs> I, like, I still like, on the subject of Danhausen, I like the fact that, like, because, hey. that, <laughs> pun- that Punk and Kenta got involved with the, 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 the go to sleep and the fact that he refers to Punk as, ah, the Pepsi man approves me. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that gimmick. Yeah, that was on Twitter and stuff as well, wasn't it? Uh, shield head to the back so Roman can give Punk a spear. Uh, head back <laughs> to the ring, sorry. So Roman can give Punk a spear. Cole puts this code? over as <laughs> Cole puts it over as that's the only Punk. Uh, blah, blah. That's the only chance Punk has at TLC. Miscommunication from the Shield. Good storytelling here. I like it. Believe in the Shield, the Hounds of Justice. Cut to a New Japan-esque main event. Here are lots of former WWE World Heavyweight Champions video montage thing. Uh, Tax, who's your favourite World Heavyweight Champion of all time? Any of the big boy belts? The Great Carly. It's a good pick. Solid. He's the biggest of the big. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Booker and Hide Your Kids, Hide Your Wife are back out again. Uh, Slammy for most extreme moment of the year, and here presented is God himself, aka Mick Foley. Uh, Seattle show appreciation for God. I like Seattle proper wrestling crowd yeah absolutely jbl immediately rips on foley suit being a rental and cole giggles because they're twats uh nomination stacks the nominations for extreme moment of the year uh 
The Wyatt family crushing Kane with some steel steps. Uh, Ryback spearing John Cena through the slightly detached LED board. The Shield triple powerbombing The Undertaker in the UK on SmackDown. And CM Punk climbing the cell and beating the shit out of Paul Heyman with a Paul Q kendo stick. And the winner for most extreme moment of the year is pushing Ryback to the main event. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who won? I don't think I even wrote it down. Uh, Punk beating up Heyman. Oh, yeah. Then, uh, by the way, uh, the the, the Usos do their Wissam Owens, don't you know, entrance while this is all happening. Y'all say Us. I'll say Oh, Us. Oh, Us. Gunge everywhere. Ah, uh, this this gimmick of again. Tell me about Samoan heritage. <laughs> so <laughs> Samoan culture. Face paint, you say. Silly dancing, you say. You know, you can just hear Vince. <laughs> and he's sitting there going, "What's Affa doing these days? Can we get him to come and manage these guys?" <sighs> yeah, fucking a man. So, uh, back from ads, the Wyatt family are in the ring, along with the Usos, Braves in his rocking chair. I love the gimmick. The little rocking chair at ringside. I love a comfy rocking chair. Got one in my mm. Warhammer house. Very Ooh. comfy. Warhammer house? Listen to you. Wait, it's, it was what the summer <laughs> house is called. <laughs> <laughs> Even the summer house. I, I was painting the summer house today, actually. It looks lovely. <laughs> it's great. this is the genuine truth right so the back of my house the kitchen and bathroom are kind of like on a flat extension on the like a back okay it's got flat roof um we heard some scratching in the ceiling so a mouse or something's got into our flat roof recently oh no not again Uh, yeah it's it's pre-pandemic it's gonna happen you know (laughs) Uh, and one of our neighbors basically said to us about a couple of days ago oh i just saw a rat running through my garden we're like oh no (laughs) So what's happened is that a rat has not only just like got into our flat roof, it's chewed a giant fucking hole in the wood <laughs> where our house is. And I'm like, you little cunt. And so today I was laying on my flat roof on my stomach with a ladder underneath me spread in the wakes. So I'm like, I'm not going through my fucking house before we sell it. You know? Or your wedding. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. And like my hands, like the distance between where the ventilation starts, where the ventilation ends is like three arm lengths. <laughs> so you can't like, you know, have one person poke it through and the other person grab it. So I've got like a stick with a hook on it and I'm trying to get this ventilation and pull it out so I can change it all and fix what's been damaged and stuff. Oh, it's a fucking mess, dude. My neighbor comes along who's a plumber or electrician or something. One of those grippy, though, like a uh, candy grabber type thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I'm literally there with my arm, like, halfway in my house, <laughs> like, fighting with a rat or something. <laughs> oh, it was fucking banter, man. It was so stupid. But well, I think some evenings now. I hear some scratching upstairs in my roof, and I realise it's going to cost me a lot of fucking money, and I realise it's my wife, and it's the same principle. The same again, it's going to cost me a lot of fucking money. <laughs> As I said to you, Paul, coming to the pod, pretty popular in my household today, my fucking <laughs> wife. <laughs> She doesn't listen to this, it's fine. Uh, she, listens to the food, uh, she listens to the food podcast, though, and I was like, fucking burying her on that one week. <laughs> so I was like, oh no! <laughs> Pan the camera up to Foley. Punk wins the slammy for extreme moment of the year for getting revenge on Paul Lee, who turned on Punk previously. Uh, Punk walks out in full, in full gear still, selling his ribs, checks behind him just in case the shield are about. Lovely work here. Well done. Yeah, very Punk good. Punk is a hell of a worker, dude. 
I know it kind of goes without saying, but these little moments, just like, oh, genius. It's uh, amazing goes... to think that he's he's been gone now, like, eight years. Mm. I'd very much like to have him back, please. But where? AEW, without a doubt. Yeah, w- agreed. He can't go back to WWE. Mm. It would be but awful. he won't. He he wouldn't come back until there's live fan a proper attendance. Yeah, he he's doing that that TV role that's about wrestling and stuff. So he's been in the ring recently. So you never know. Uh, I feel as Punk goes. I feel slightly strange accepting any sort of award wearing no pants. <laughs> I'm like that means something different in England. <laughs> <laughs> I've accepted many. Anyway, back to the Usos of Jimmy and Jay versus the Wyatt family of Eric Rowan and our boy. I miss him a lot. Luke Harper, Brody. What a guy. It's sad. It's sad watching it. I, th- I think that's the thing, isn't it? Lad was in his 40s, you know, yeah. not, not that far ahead of us and a healthy dude. And it's just, that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's going to have like that early feel of, of Eddie when you watch Eddie matches and yeah, you, yeah. you want to enjoy it, but then you just go back and go, oh, this is, and you think about his wife and his kids, mm-hmm. and I know, and I, I tell you what, it's, it's, this is going to sound terrible, but if it was ever going to happen, I'm so glad it happened when he was part of an AEW roster and so having Tony Khan and, and looking yeah. after them, rather than yeah. what Vince would have done. Seems like AEW and the uh, Dark Order have done an amazing job with uh, the kid, especially. You can see that on TV, you know. Yeah. In fairness yeah, to the awesome. kid, though, minus one. Lo- love, love's always going to hug Tay Conte. <laughs> Fair play to the lad. <laughs> yeah, fucking A, bro. So, hot star, Uso's flying to the outside. Here are some more ads. Oh, Cut back and Brody has taken over. It's just so good to see him wrestle, man. As the match goes on, Bray is working the camera from his rocking chair. Great gimmick, this. Uh, fun tag match. Pretty sloppy at times, to be fair. There's a couple of little, like, whoopsie moments, you know? Not great communication between these guys at this stage, especially from Eric Redbeard. Mm. Not great. Yeah, sure. Not great. But he's, he's the greenest of the four. Hmm. Did I just lose you? You cut out there. Hello. I'm, I'm still here, though. Sorry, ah, I was just good, saying, good, good, er- good. Er- Eric Rowe. Eric Redbeard, just the greenest of the four of them. That's why I yeah, think it didn't really click. Jimmy connects with the murder your girl in the motel, splash off the top. <laughs> Hang on, from him or Marty Janetti? <laughs> but Rowan breaks up the opinion. pit for... <laughs> I'm just going to move on. Uh, Rowan launches Jay off to, into the announce table. I am the announce... I'm- I am the announce table. Hmm. Uh, Jimmy super kicks Rowan off the hardest part of the ring. Jimmy turns around into a. Do you want to say it? I I I. Lariato. Thank you very much. Bye, Brody. For the one, two, three, the winners of the Wyatt family. Wyatts do their creepy shtick post match. Uh, good stuff. As much as I dislike Cole and JBL, they certainly got over the whole dragons in trouble trouble when he has to face these three lads at TLC gimmick. And they should rightly be worried because, you know, they said they're going to hurt him. Hmm. Um, Enjoy the match. Like the gimmick. What do you think? Always like, well, I mean, obviously even more so now, always enjoy watching Brody Lee work. I think they tried really hard with Rowan to to build him up to be something, but there's only so much a wrestler can do in a boiler suit, like as the 73rd man of Slipknot. And always going against face paint. <laughs> That's face great. <laughs> Holy shit, don't skip over that. That's a great line. <laughs> 30 seconds. 
<laughs> Sorry, go on. That's great. That's really funny. I didn't want to go as low, low end and going like the 12th member of Mushroom Head because I don't think that would have uh, has hit as well. Uh, and obviously, niche, yeah. and, and I mean, anyone loves a band putting a, tro- a giant Trojan rabbit across a war field for Solitaire Unraveling. It's a great music video. But, and the Usos in Face Paint were hit with straight me. over my head. Sorry, say that again. Mushroom Head. Band. Yeah, I know the band. I don't know the music video you're talking about. Oh, music video for Solitaire Unraveling. The, the end of their music video, they've got like this giant Trojan rabbit that their wooden rabbit they're pulling across the desert. And I was like, oh, interesting. Awesome. <laughs> 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 Quick, cut to black, pan across the crowd because they've disappeared apparently. You know what that cut is always like spray drops that fake lantern on his toe and it catches on fire and he goes, (laughs) (laughs) Which brings us back to Booker T and Jimmy Savile. I mean, Jerry Lawler. (laughs) To intro, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Oh, Del Rio. (laughs) (laughs) Giving stealing cunt. Uh, Goosebumps when uh, Brett's music kicks in every time without fail. I love Brett. Oh, just like oh, press gimmick. Oh, I love it. You didn't do gunge the hand everywhere. Thing, Pink gunge everywhere. <laughs> Brett comes out and doesn't do the. Hey, look at my hands. I'm an Italian gangster thing. You know. <laughs> oh, I love Brett so much. Uh, surprisingly, Brett manages. Brett manages to talk into a microphone without trashing the rest of the wrestling industry for once. It's quite impressive. Well, Triple H was on stage. He didn't have to. Yeah, he needs to learn from us more. <laughs> In my opinion, <laughs> Triple H is only a four out of ten wrestler. That's <laughs> fucking funny as shit. Triple H is one of the best of all time. We're going to be honest, he's a hell of a worker, but whatever. Uh, Brett's better. Uh, Brett says nice words and is here to present the Slammy for Match of the Year. Or as he puts it, the match that blew us away. And I was like, oh, I didn't know Brooke Hogan was backstage. Hey! <laughs> uh, get that ukulele out. <laughs> no, that gimmick's dead. And so's her music career. Whee! And so's the victim of her brother. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> oh my God! Oh, that's so bad. That's such poor taste. I mean, the thing is, you've just got to be careful of all those microphones that are around you. You just can't get caught. Do you want to hear the, uh, do you want to hear the categories for Match of the Year? <laughs> Give me a... I'm so glad I've inadvertently killed you. This is excellent work on my part. Oh, yep. Nominations. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Brock Lesnar versus Triple H in a steel cage match at Extreme Rules. (laughs) In my opinion? Yeah, sure, allegedly. Okay, whatever. Uh, Cody Rhodes. I mean, it was factual at least. (laughs) It's on the public record. It must be true. I'll start again. Triple H versus Brock Lesnar in a steel cage match at Extreme Rules. We had Cody Rhodes and Goldust. Who gives a fuck? (laughs) My pick is none of these nominations. Yeah, it's take a a punk. Yeah, probably take a punch from WrestleMania, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's really a crap storm to pick from really here, isn't there? No, take a punk was really good. Really good. Uh, 
yeah. Other than point. the Paul Bearer build element, but the in-ring yeah. match was very good. Hmm. Sorry, would you like to go over the other matches? I guess it's useful to know what's going on at this time. Oh, okay. Uh, Triple H and Brock Lesnar in a steel cage match, Extreme Rules, because Triple H has got to wrestle everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. Cody and Goldust against The Shield at Battleground. Quite a nice a emotional set. win, but Death not, and Roman. Not a great uh, not, match, necessarily. No, and obviously, uh, big match John against uh, Johnny Hollywood. The Rock. <laughs> Johnny Nitro. <laughs> Fucking get a haircut, John Morrison. Fuck <laughs> me. All right. <laughs> Um, blah, blah, blah. so Nassi heads to the ring uh, oh sorry John Cena and The Rock won by the way if you're in, if you're keeping tally, or tally that's the not slammies. the order it goes we've got to do Natty's oh, entrance oh sorry first. sorry it's sorry. Right. I, when we come I'm trying to run it like a proper <laughs> award ceremony <laughs> that's not how they do it so Natty heads to the ring gives Bret a heart Bret, gives Bret, Bret a heart, heart. <laughs> it's because mm. he, he, he gave the other one to the tin man uh, we cut back from ads, AJ Lee and Tamina are in the ring, and I'm like, oh, Tamina's wrestling, fuck. <laughs> Has anyone noticed that, obviously, I know with the podcast gone long, but we've both had very long weeks, which is why some of these jokes are just really not really that politically correct. Oh, I mean... Who, hang on, who's Jimmy? Who's Tamina's dad again? Hmm. Uh, technically, this is our main event of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> And they said Trish and Lita were the only ones to do it, yeah. They ain't got shit on these ladies. WWE is so progressive. Wait a second. Nine years later, these two are a tag team, right? Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, Match graphic for AJ Lee versus Natty at TLC. That Divas belt. Oh, you mean the New Japan belt? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, back to Brett, who's still here, by the way. Uh, match of the year is John Cena versus The Rock at WrestleMania 29. No, it fucking isn't. At that stage, a fan runs him and attacks him. Mm. That's not this show, but yeah. Mm. FTR beat the shit out of him. Just, <clears throat> it's just worth mentioning because it's always quite fun watching Dax Harwood kick the shit out of someone. Yeah, fucking A. Can we just mention Rock Cena at WrestleMania 29, how terrible that match is? I choose to not acknowledge those two matches am i right in thinking that's the one where rock was injured in the first like 10 seconds they're just working around that the whole time i think the rock got fucked in both of the matches oh fair enough (laughs) and they had a match (laughs) yeah sorry um cena out to accept the slammy because rock can't be fucked obviously so this is the i would say 60 70 percent booze for cena phase yeah this is where he should have been turned if they were going to turn him it's like and and almost cena wins lol yeah, but th- this this set up something so good, which we'll get to after this main event. Oh, because they're already booing him a little bit. Mm. Okay. But first, we've got our main event of the evening tax. It's Natalia versus Tamina Snooker, who happens to have AJ Lee. Uh, hang uh, on. How, how, do we do, how do we do female uh, Cito's and El Hijo de hmm. for the ladies? Because um, obviously these are all the second... Hija? Lahija? I'm going to call hmm. it um, Snooker 4, like Villano 4. La <laughs> <laughs> <Le> Femme de Snooker? <laughs> hmm. Trying to think of other like lucha wrestlers. Los Ice Cream de Snooker? <laughs> <laughs> Natty Inyo, though. We can go with that. That's pretty easy. Yeah, what, what's French for small? Petit. 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 <laughs> Petit. 
pretty snooker. <laughs> no, 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 that's Natty because she's Canadian. Hence the French thing. Oh, just yeah, sorry. You know, all Canadians are French, right? Uh, anyway, about a minute of graps. AJ leads up on the apron. Uh, Tamina knocks AJ off the apron by picking up Natty, uh, as you do. Uh, one sharpshooter later, and Natty's won the match. Yep, that was about minute thirty seconds. Give Divas a chance, motherfuckers. Best main event ever. Uh, but before they've even celebrated, Cole introduces the Ascension Ceremony thing. <laughs> Hang on. Connor and Victor are here. The Ascension Ceremony. That, that's the one went through my head immediately as well. But like, literally, it's like Natty puts on the sharpshooter. Tamina taps. Cut to Cole. <laughs> you, know, you know what this was, though, don't you? Bret well, Hart's here, so Natty's got to go over. Well, yeah, I, I think they just had to fulfill their... You know, got to have some women on the show. Looks good in the PR docs, you know? It very much does. Mm. So the Ascension Ceremony thing. Um, do you want to talk about the purpose of this before I go into the play-by-play? Because I've got it written down. So the whole thing leading into TLC is that Cena with the big gold belt and Orton with the ugly-ass ugly belt are going to unify the titles at TLC. Mm. So WWE have realized that having two champions is a crock of shit. Can we talk about what the belts are called? Because what was the WWE World Heavyweight Championship is now just the WWE Championship. Yes. And the World's Heavyweight Belt, the WCW Heavyweight Belt, is now just the World Heavyweight Championship? Correct. The, the logic behind the naming of these always used to really piss me off. I mean, at least I didn't bother trying after TLC to go to the undisputed World Heavyweight mm. Champion. They've just got the champion. The, world, the, the, the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Do we both agree this. that every wrestling promotion needs one main belt? Yes, unless you want to give one to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, WWE should have a World Heavyweight Championship, right? Yeah. I mean, the fact yeah. that they've got 73 titles is pointless. It it dilutes the concept. I know you've got to have some more belts, props for storytelling to make things have a little bit more, to have stakes because they don't have the creativity to have storytelling to keep people compelled without a prize to win. But, be- yeah, there's there's no need for two belts. So I am a fan of unifying these belts. Yeah, me too. I'm not against the concept of unifying them, especially because I detest the names and why there are two, I guess, because the brand split and everything and just kind of held on to this and the whole WCW thing and blah, 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 you know. However, the whole purpose of this Ascension ceremony was... 12 years, dude. Sorry, go on. All these former world champions to come out as as holders of either of these belts or in some cases, as you'll get to in the play-by-play, some have been fortunate enough to hold both unfortunate enough to hold both <laughs> if, you, if it's the world title it means you've probably been on smackdown which means no one's watched you for three years Unlucky well, unless now, it was the, you're getting the same situation the period of the smackdown six is quite fun but you know the rest yeah. of it it's best it's been 12 years we've had two two fucking top belts it's it, it's basically the 12 years right almost just switched off from wwe i watched it all don't get me wrong but i was not invested from like 2001 to like 2013 and beyond to be totally honest but especially now you have a very very dominant women's division again with two mm. fucking belts 
now if you're going to go for this two night of mania thing because you've got such good caliber female talent you could legitimately have your world titles headline each night the the men's title on one night the ladies title on the other night and that are your they are your main events you don't need to fuck about having individual heavyweight titles for both brands especially in this pandemic era when they're all on the same show you could have had right someone from smackdown's going for this someone from raw is going to go for this I don't want them to fall into the shit we found at the end of the Aces and Eights run where like the X title turns to always triple threat. Well, we've got to have someone from Raw and someone from SmackDown going for the big belt because mm. that's how they would have done it. Yeah, it's the same thing behind, you know, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. It's like, because it's there, we have to do it. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it also spreads their focus as well, which means the storytelling's worse and the wrestlers don't have like you know past they can go along logically every year whatever it may be you know it's just it just it's it's too much going on but it's just focus in a little bit it would be a big thing i would like to see happen but whatever so triple h and steph out cut to ads so everyone else can make their entrances cut back to a bunch of former champions in the ring i'd say 20 25 people probably a bit more i think that's being generous okay i think it's a bit less than that so uh we've Half got the rings full yeah, Big Show, Ray, Mark Henry, Carly, Booker T, Bret Hart, Kane, Triple H, HBK, uh, Del Rio, Miz, Dolph, Punk, Dragon, Foley, Steph. See uh, Autumn <laughs> when they come out. She's a former 108 champion, to be she fair. She is. Uh, so, uh, uh, basically, Steph's... Blah, 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 cut to a bunch of champs in the ring. Uh, Steph's cutting a promo, putting over Triple H while everyone else in the ring kind of smirks, going, yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, Steph says that Triple H is the pinnacle of the great list of champions, which immediately corpses Punk standing behind <laughs> Triple H, which Punk, got me Punk's as well. Punk's are so good during this. <laughs> yeah, he does not give a fuck. He's just like letting his emotions show on his face so obviously. It's really funny. So, as Triple H starts to talk and put himself over, with no prompt at all, quietly at first and gradually getting louder and louder while Triple H is trying to talk through it, you can hear Daniel Bryan Daniel Bryan (laughs) just getting louder and louder until this giant crescendo of noise has filled this arena and literally Triple H is trying to talk through it but he has to stop and put the mic down to his crotch and just be like fuck because <laughs> they will not stop dragon corpses miz corpses ray corpses triple h tries to keep talking through it but the crowd will not stop big show corpses mark henry corpses booker t carly corpses <laughs> i'm like this is actually carly just had awesome. wind <laughs> and when triple h put the the, uh, the mic down to his crotch he was like uh can you help me? <laughs> <laughs> you ran my career from 96 to 99. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent work. Ah, uh, fucking this segment, man. I love this fucking crowd. Shawn HBK. Michaels even going in Go front of, yeah, in front of Triple H and Stephanie, just like going, hey, calm it down now. Almost incited the crowd to get yeah. even the louder. Crowd and you gets even. louder. <laughs> Ste- I mean, 
Stephanie was like, oh, this could be money, but Triple H's face was like, it was like, oh, we're never fucking coming back to Seattle ever again. 100% genuinely fuming. You know, doing his best to try and hide it and try and think of a line to quiet the crowd down, but can't get there. <laughs> it's so fucking funny, man. I Mark mean, Henry. I- gone. I was going to say, well, yeah, Mark, Mark Henry tries to do, tries to take control and raises Dragon's arm to a big cheer, then puts the arm down and was like, pop. <laughs> then Mark Henry was like, right, we're done. And then everyone still keeps going. <laughs> Until Triple Did H you see, now- wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. So this bit where Mark Henry, in Salmon Jacket, by the way, is doing the bit with Dragon. Did you see Big Show? No, what did he do? Big Show is pissing himself laughing. <laughs> he's like going ah they won't shut up and even you can't do it (laughs) it's so funny man oh it's fucking great like literally as he says like shut up now like mark henry does the cutthroat thing to the crowd every motherfucker in that building in unison's going yes (laughs) yes yes so funny eight minutes have passed and triple h has finally come up with what he thinks is a really funny joke (laughs) God, Triple H looking fucking fuming. The yeses kind of die down a little bit. They build back up <laughs> and then die back down again. Dragon is in fits of laughter, laughter and eventually applauds the crowd. I think trying to get them to chill a little bit. You know, his adoring audience. Uh, eventually they simmer down. And Triple H immediately tries to bury Dragon. Have you got the line written down? Do you want to deliver it? Uh, uh, I'm only paraphrasing. I didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure it's along the lines of, oh, that's a lot of noise from one family, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> the line is, that's a lot of family for one building, Daniel. Okay. I should have known. A lot of them look just like you. To which Dragon's going, yeah, that was shit. It's <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> got his tongue in his cheek going, I'm fucking more over than you've ever been. And you didn't even push me. <laughs> it's great. Absolutely brilliant and again like we mentioned punk's facials for this whole thing punk's just sitting there with the the essentially the proverbial shit-eating grin he's like fucking a <laughs> yeah absolutely dude and Dolph like, this- like i can't believe i'm here <laughs> <laughs> i was a champion once <laughs> uh triple h continues his bollocks speech about unifying the belts and stuff at tlc Triple H, uh, sorry, the crowd give the Triple H the what treatment, even though he's trying to change his speech pattern, but the crowd are like, fuck you, what? What? Constantly. Just just having a great time. Like, I usually hate when crowds take over shows. Like, it can be awful. But when it's this in context, it's... This might be one of my favourite segments of all time, especially just from TV. That's the key, isn't it? It's in context of the show. It's supporting yeah. the hometown favourite and showing and it's, it's natural organic support. Their their long term frustration with what's happened. They've got this situation where they've got everyone in the ring to vent their frustrations and their guy. You know, this is not just a Seattle thing for me. This is a, a WWE fan base entirety at this point as well in twenty thirteen. It's a good thing that this fan base isn't then doesn't get the rest of the WWE fans punished at the Royal Rumble for this <laughs> event alone. <laughs> well, we'll find out. So Triple H brings out Randy and Cena. Both get booed. Cena, the face, gets booed more. In 2021, <clears throat> I do not hate John Cena. I think he's fucking brilliant. 
But in 2013, when he was very much forced upon the fans as the Hogan, the Brett, the Austin, you know, I really detested John Cena. Uh, and it became this this thing constantly whereby like, he's obviously a very good-looking, incredible promo guy. And we'll get into his very, very good promo in a second on this show. But it's you compare him to his technical ability, his deliverance of moves and stuff. Like, it just never kind of quite did the job for me. You know, it's Punk quoted it in a shoot thing I watched this week, where it's like, you know, if you can't work with John Cena, you can't work with anyone. Because it's five moves, you know the comeback, you know how the sequence is going to go. And it's it's um it's the antithesis of the white meat baby face guy of like, you know, the Dave Batista, the Randy Orton's, the Edge, the Triple H, the etc. 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 of that period of WWE that I just really lost interest in that main event scene especially. He had no one to work with either. The problem with Cena is you said having mm. what they dubbed the five moves of doom, the same thing for every top white meat baby fist would do with the you know, exactly what Punk said. There wasn't anyone to challenge him. And that's why when Cena started running with the US title and having matches with Cody, with Cesaro, and actually wrestling, that's when people started turning around on a bit of John Cena going, oh, he can wrestle. That springboard stunner, though, was shit that Cena <laughs> did in that run. But yeah. this is... Like, Thugonomics era John Cena was, was great because he was a good promo and he was a new guy. And I just think that he was very much hindered by how popular he became. Because like, um, like JR mentioned on his pod uh, this week, I think it was uh, Gridding JR, when he was looking at Cena's 2006. And obviously I know this is like seven years removed from that. Mm-hmm. But Cena, he could never be turned heel due to the volume of Make-A-Wish stuff he did. I know obviously he bought a lot of merch sure. in for the company. But John Cena, what he has done for as again in an ambassadorial role for that company what he does for those young fans especially the 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 poor poor kids who are who are as part of that make-a-wish program we're doing the classic john cena argument this is the argument that everyone was having in 2013 it was look he's shit in the ring oh but look at all the lovely stuff he does and how important he is for the business like i totally agree i I agree i've never thought john cena has been shit in the ring i've never thought that he's been of a level of people like Dragon, of Kurt Angle, everything. But from an in-ring standpoint, I don't think he's shit. I, I've never let me, thought... Let me, let me explain why. what I'm trying to say. Look at a Scott Hall moveset. Look at a John Cena moveset. They're fairly similar. But look at how the moves are delivered. The impact they feel when they're done. The, the force that it looks like they're impacted with. You know, when they do a Death Valley drive for a sack of shit or whatever, look at how they've hooked the head, how they've hooked the leg, for example, and what that achieves in that move sequence. You know, when Scott Hall does it, everyone talks about Scott Hall being like the lightest worker of all time, but it looks like death, like Bret Hart's the same. Like Bret Hart throws a punch. It looks like he's killing the guy, but Bret's notoriously one of the lightest workers of all time. John never looks impactful to me it never looks like anything does any sort of real damage in any way shape or form it looks like pantomime wrestling to me but that's what this whole institute era was yeah. unfortunately but i don't if, think if, i don't think daniel well, bryan's moves are like that i don't think ryback's moves look like that or ryback's a stiff cunt obviously but <laughs> you know what i mean like uh, well yeah we'll we'll move on i, I said i okay. i don't have any any real gripes with, with cena but 
I said it's the, the argument being of the, the heel turn. I like sometimes when it's teased. Mm. Yeah. What if I did a, a little dance? Do the shivel, do the thing. How about a little heel turn? Great line. Really, really funny. But speaking of which, um, the second scene of mu- scene's music stop stops and Triple H takes the two belts and goes to hang them up. And the crowd are like, <laughs> Daniel Bryan! <laughs> like, just completely shitting on this entirely. It's and funny. also, the best thing when Triple H is hanging those belts up, he's mm. pulling down the thing going, raise the belts, raise the belts, <laughs> raise the belts. And I guarantee it's a member of Daniel Bryan's family going, raise the belts, eh? Raise the belts, eh? <laughs> we're ready. about me, eh? <laughs> so Randy cuts a promo about Cena not having ruthless aggression anymore. And he's got this terrible script. It's ruining funny wrestling TV show. Uh, fans still chanting Daniel Bryan. They boo Randy. They chant boring. Punk is corpsing the whole way through this. Very, very funny. He does not give a fuck. Randy is still talking like five minutes later. Yes, chance. Like the promo is not bad. But in the context of it, it's like he's not even acknowledging the crowd or the situation or whatever. He's just reading a script. And it's it's shows the big difference for me between Orton and Punk. Like, I mean, not Punk. Cena. And that why I think Cena is a more capable mic guy, especially. Um, Sean Who Brett did Punk. a better Marine film, though? <laughs> Who knows? I haven't seen the other ones. I've only seen uh, Cena's. I might have to find out one day, thanks. Um, <laughs> there's a great moment where Sean Brett and Punk are just casually having a chat as Randy's cutting his promo on them. And it's just fucking great. <laughs> uh, you suck chance all across the arena. Then it's Cena's turn to talk some shit. Immediately booed. But Cena talks about how Randy says the word work and literally goes and puts his arm around Dragon, brings him out of the lineup of champions. And Cena, Cena stealing all that rub. He's <laughs> <is> very smart. <laughs> Cena does a Q&A with Dragon. Where he's like, what's your name? He's like, my name is Daniel Bryan. And where are you from? I'm from blah, 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 Washington. Some great pops. Really, really fun. And he does that classic line of like, and what is it? what's the question he asked him? It's like, and uh, was your father a WWE superstar? He goes, no, he's a logger or whatever. <laughs> and there's one last thing where Dragon responds in yes, and that gets big yes chance, obviously. So Cena delivering what the crowd want or getting him over or trying seemingly to get Dragon over, stealing all that rub. Oh, Cena's a smart boy. <laughs> Cena, but like without shitting on Dragon at the same time. No problem with this. Uh, it's I like what the... the- I liked again the fact at the end of it, again, to make sure that Super Cena was really there when he said, and when I win on Sunday, I look forward to the rematch. Hogan handshake. Yes. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. So uh, Cena takes Dragon's heat into a fuck you, Randy. You were handed everything in the WWE. So, yeah, says John Cena of all people. Irony, right? (laughs) Yeah, but John Cena didn't shit in a bag. Had Jindra done that, he would have been fired a lot quicker. I mean, it's a smart line, but it's ironic as all hell, being like, Radley Orton, you were handed everything. And I'm like, you know you're John Cena, right? Ah, uh, but John Cena worked for it. it was John Cena did all the media stuff. John Cena was the company guy. Hmm. John Cena didn't have kids, so he didn't have to worry about it. He could sleep on a plane and sleep in a bin. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on. Are you saying that John Cena was not handed his position at all? I'm saying he earned his position and hmm. then hmm. got hmm. completely... He can't even do a Death Valley Driver, dude. It's his finish. He can't even do an STF. It's his other finish. 
WWE is not a wrestling company, though, is it? In 2013. Oh, don't say that. It ruins everything. <laughs> what? You mean it's a compelling argument? They don't need to wrestle because no, they're really fucking good at media and bringing money it's, in. It's such a blanket statement that it takes away any sort of like what it's meant to be. You know, to me but, at least, like I want wrestling to be wrestling. I don't want it to be pantomime bullshit all the time. As I Vince McMahon drink from my bottle and just go <laughs> make movies. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, blah, blah, blah. so Cena does a really good job, job of taking a shitty situation and turning it into like a beefy promo that gets the crowd on his side by dropping some reality into these kind of shitty WWE scripted promos but he hits every point he needs to works the crowd, Cena's fucking great man, one of the very best on the mic really set up and, and his he did quite well of transitioning from being a very Daniel Bryan centric segment into trying as close as they could possibly get to actually making people be hyped to see this match at TLC for the 73rd, 74th, 75th, 800th time between Orton and Cena. At least in this moment, he manages to achieve it. And then the mega powers. (laughs) This is one of my favorite segments. And this might be my favorite ending sequence. This is up there with like, you know, the build to WrestleMania 14 with... um, Austin and Sean, which is one of my kind of like childhood favorite memories where Sean super kicks Austin on the ramp and stuff, you know? Remember that? That that, and then obviously that thing on SmackDown where there was, I think it was leading to possibly Armageddon where everyone came in, hit all their own, their finishes on each other. Yeah. That was a pretty good finish on SmackDown, sure. wasn't it? So, Cena puts himself over by saying how generous he is to the lower tier wrestlers. Some really smart stuff again. Cena offers the superpowers handshake to Randy... Mega powers. I did it again. <laughs> no way. As soon as I said it, I was like, that's not what it's called. A scene the superpower. The, the mega powers and shig brother to Randy Orton. Randy Orton eventually accepts it and they lift the straps above them, raise them up. <laughs> eventually. Uh, <laughs> Orton with the cheap shot, pull apart in the kerfuffle. Orton shoves Punk off of him. So Punk goes, huh, really? <laughs> Dex Randy really good stuff which leads to triple h pulling punk off of orton punk then punk then jumps triple h which leads to sean going hey that's my friend and super kicking punk while this is happening dragon goes wait that's my friend (laughs) i owe you a fucking super kick so dragon connects with the bombayer to hbk the running knee getting revenge on sean from turning a dragon in the cage match versus triple h that we mentioned earlier Good storytelling. And then, do you want to describe this last bit? Well, here we are. We are rucking in the corner. Randy Orton ends up careering into and knocking down Stephanie McMahon. Triple H spots it, checks on Stephanie. Orton saying, I'm sorry. Triple H gets up, pedigrees the chosen one, Randy Orton. And after doing that, everyone rushes to help up Stephanie. Helping up the authority, we've got Stephanie being held up by Triple H, Corporate Kane, and big match John Cena. With the heels looking after Stephanie, while Orton looks on going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I only shat in her bag. It was just a little, (laughs) it was a shot, it was a shot in her bag. I didn't really do it. But the turn of Orton being the authority's guy to accidentally getting shoved into Steph knocking her down 
But then Triple H just seeing Randy over Steph and being like, oh, fuck you, and goes after Randy. So that when Randy comes to, he looks up to see the authority with his rival, John Cena, standing there as well. Like, this is awesome storytelling. This is the best ever John Cena heel tease they've ever done. But more importantly, like we said at the start, at the start of the show, this is the ultimate foreshadowing to what Mania Triple X promos thought process is going to be you've got i mean i know it wouldn't have happened but you had dragon going after hbk imagine if they could have tempted i mean it, it's much better for what happened but imagine if their game plan at this stage was let's try and get dragon and hbk to go at it at mania 30 oh, let's let's dangle that carrot because you know it's this whole thing that going into tlc daniel bryan's supposed to be feuding with the wyatts Nowhere to be seen. He's attacking Shawn Michaels after, you know, okay, giving him a receipt, bit of a revenge. Punk going after Triple H. That's where they were heading, potentially for Mania 30. Mm-hmm. And just having that tease of a John Cena authority was like, oh my God. And genuinely, you know, everyone remembers the Daniel Bryan element of this segment with the fans taking over. Very few people remember the Cena. The, the end, this end bundle that yeah, happened. I forgot it happened. But it, this was probably the last time WWE did something really good to finish a Raw. Oh, that's a bold statement. Um, It's one of the better ones for sure. There's some, definitely some moments of Roman recently, but those are Smackdowns, I guess. They're not Raws. Um, I'd have to think long and hard about other good endings to Raw that match up against this. This is pretty up there. This was an excellent episode of Raw, and it's it really does set the scene for where we're at. So, mm. as you've mentioned already on the pod, Daniel Bryan is huge over. He is over big time, but he's currently mopping up his feud with the Wyatt family. Um, we'll obviously do a little bit of an overview of where we are next. So we said we wanted to cover this episode to show how much fanfare Dragon had. Now, let's not forget, as he was part of this Ascension uh celebration he has already been a world champion in wwe it was the gold belt and then he obviously lost it to sheamus in sort of six seconds at mania when he was with aj as his 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 manager at the time so he has tasted the top (laughs) title in wwe before but he is huge over and i know he's got hometown advantage but no one has a chant no one has much fan support in december of 2013 than dragon did yeah, hundred percent. Like he hasn't really been given the traditional storyline push either. Like he's forced his way into that main event scene, um, and he's just by being very, very good at his job, he's just got over immensely with people. So, in an average WWE year, because we're heading into TLC at the end of the year, which means we're heading to Rumble seasons, which heading into Mania. Mm-hmm. Around this time of year is really when people like us, everyone online, will start speculating who is going to win the Rumble. And based on this reaction alone, the sensible, logical fan process is we always want the babyface to go in if we're going to have a heel champion. Potentially, we could have a heel champion in Randy Orton going into the, into the big match at Mania if he is successful at TLC. So who is going to be the top babyface to go against Orton to main event Mania? Who's going to go and win the Rumble? 
Daniel Bryan is now your number one pick in my mind at this time when I watched this it's like well it's going to be Dragon they're going to have Dragon in the Rumble he's going to win it so yeah. we'll see on our next episode how these chips fall with with the Rumble and what happens in the next four or five weeks between TLC and the Rumble I'm trying to think back to what I thought was going to happen in 2013 um, I, I think my idea was that Autumn was going to become the unified champ and then it would come down to Orton and Dragon and Cena in the main event of in the Rumble or whatever or just Cena and Dragon and that eventually um, Dragon would get screwed leading to eventually then building Dragon up into that kind of main event for Wrestlemania so I know something kind of relatively similar to that happens but I can't remember quite what and how and uh, I don't think their intention was ever to have Dragon in that main event but we'll see um but yeah it, this was a a really really fun show um 2013 was definitely not my favorite year in wrestling by any means of wwe uh, the lack of competition really shows at times but this particular show has some fun matches it's relatively inoffensive at times there's some yeah no, nothing to really write home about but there's not tons of horrible backstage segments the main event is one of my favorites of all time there's a solid little match between Ambrose what, and Punk Tamina versus Natty was your favorite main <laughs> event of all time. Yeah, that too. Um, yeah, it's an easy four for me. Yeah, it's four cornflakes to me, and I have a horrible feeling we've done something stupid because obviously we've spoiled ourselves at the show because we've had a lot. Like mm. you said, I had a lot of fun watching this, and it was and this is great WWE, and it's similar to a way of what AEW do for me at the moment. They bookend the show brilliantly. And it's the same thing that I've always been told when giving speeches or public speaking. You start strong. You finish strong. You try and have good stuff in the middle, but no one's really paying attention. They pay attention at the beginning and the end. That's what well, WWE have done here. They started with a great match with Dragon. They finished with a great segment telling stories. They bookended the show brilliantly, and the content in the middle was average at best which if you watch any <laughs> of my webinars that i'll be doing or any presentations i'm doing if you're misfortunate enough to come across me in the professional world rather than the wrestling world you will find that i start strong probably lose interest in my own self of what i'm saying and then finish strong because i'm happy that i'll be able to like go and get a biscuit nice gun jolly yourself uh, so <laughs> i don't know why i threw that in just felt like it on a webinar in front of so... thousands of accountants oh, i'm so glad that's done <laughs> taxes only fans coming to you soon um so this episode <laughs> well the i'm the only person in brit rest who doesn't have one yeah fair point was the 9th of december 2013 the next episode so proper part one but like episode two i guess we'll call it we'll just go with episode two fuck it is going to be the 26th of january 2014 so roughly two months ahead where we will be doing the royal rumble 2014 uh, so we will update about those two months in between at the beginning of the rumble pay-per-view because we're not going to call the whole Rumble match, so there won't be that much to talk about, but there'll be lots of discussion points to be had. That's for fucking sure, because I remember what happens at this Rumble <laughs> somewhat. And lots happens between yeah. now and the Rumble, but not overly integral to the Daniel Bryan storyline, but well, a lot happens to get us there. We will find out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I'm mine's uh, fanboy rich on Twitter. What is your social things? I'm tired, man. I'm stumbling over my words now. I was going to say, and a half you, didn't say where, you didn't even say where the social. You just went to mine's fanboy rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need a coffee and some sleep at the same time. The Tex Williams on Bebo MySpace. 
Yeah. Should we revamp MySpace? Everyone's leaving Twitter and Facebook now. So. But most importantly, everyone, follow us on our World of Rest Follow me on, on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Watch me dance. Uh, interact with us on facebook.com forward slash World of Wrestling Podcast. But most importantly, help us out. If you like what we do, leave us a five-star review on your podcast app of preference. Nobody listens to techno. Goodbye, everyone. Do you want to say goodbye? No, I was, <gasps> oh. just, leave- I was, I was just leaving it on the nobody listens to techno because everyone likes listening to Eminem. Do you know what we haven't done? We haven't named the series. Well, yes, we have. <laughs> Do you remember what the best name was? I know we had a good one at one point. Brandis the Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, just flat out, that's not going to get clicks. <laughs> Fucking it is. Uh, what about Enter the Dragon Triple X or something like that? Bri enters the dragon. We're not calling it Bri enters the dragon. Stop getting hooked up on this. (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, bye everyone. (laughs) Bri enters the dragon episode two next week. See you then. The wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. We're tough. We can take it, baby. You got to penetrate in the back, in the back, baby. Oh, I can see what you're talking. Wait just a minute. Get, 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 get